Vote for Curry Dvorak 2016. Crackpot and Buzzkill. We're a balanced ticket. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, September 4th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 336. This is No Agenda. Celebrating the fruits of our labor and our vow of poverty. Just getting by at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay, in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where nobody's home and probably nobody's listening, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. And in the morning to you, uh, Jean-Claude. Uh, in the morning to you and in the morning to all ships at sea who are listening. Well, yeah. they probably are and all the boots <laughs> on the ground who are uh, walking yeah. around. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we have uh, we still have a number of uh, human resources lined up in our chat room. Noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Uh, all in there. And uh, they are charged up the way the government loves them because we've got to suck the resources out of you. And uh, they're ready for that. And they've got their shoes charged up and ready to throw. So, uh, happy Labor Day for tomorrow, I'll say. Uh, they're changing advance. the name of that, you know, finally. But what, from La- Labor Day? Yeah, to Unemployment Day. <laughs> you know, so um, I, uh, I I looked into this Labor Day thing. Because uh, I this is kind of, I've trained myself, and I think we're training all of our human resources as well. Uh, to You know, don't just take things at face value. And so the president did one of those things that I don't really understand and don't really like is where he proclaims it Labor Day. It's like this has been going on for 100 years, more than 100 years. And uh, so on WhiteHouse.gov, by the way, he mentioned nothing about Labor Day in his presidential address, which I will talk about later because uh, he he does a a callback to one of our previous shows before the uh, before the recess for the shills in Washington. But a presidential proclamation. In the last several years, we have pulled our country back from the brink through a series of tough economic decisions. While we have come far, great challenges still face us. Many Americans are still struggling and many are unemployed. My administration is working tirelessly each day for Martha's Vineyard to promote policies that get Americans back to work. Blah, 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 blah. Now, therefore, I, Barack Obama, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do proclaim... September 5th, 2011, is Labor Day. I call upon all public officials and people of the United States to observe this day. So, of course, that's... Uh, why does he do that? I mean, that I, I don't understand. Isn't that... Isn't uh, Isn't there a calendar and it's like an official calendar and everyone knows that this is Labor Day, the first Monday in September? And if he doesn't do that, does it mean we have to work, work? this day? <laughs> yeah, the deal? Phew, thanks, Brock. I'm happy you did that. So I go in and I, I figure, where's the best place to go and find out about Labor Day? The Book of Knowledge. No, before I consulted the Book of Knowledge, I went to the United States Department of Labor. That, uh-huh. that seemed to be like the place to be. And there's the history of Labor Day. More than 100 years after the first Labor Day observance, there is still some doubt as to who first proposed the holiday for workers. And then they go into this uh, controversy about uh, Peter J. McGuire, who uh, was the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners and a co-founder of the American Federation of Labor. And he was the first to suggest a day to honor those, quote, who from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur we behold. But then there was some other guy who it's almost like the invention of podcasting. But then I uh, went to do the obvious. Consult the book of knowledge. Nothing could be further from the truth. While, yes, indeed, on September 5th in, 19, in 1882, the Central Labor Union of New York uh, started this observance, 
it did not become a federal holiday until 1894. And this happened six days after the Pullman strike. Do you know the history of this, John? I I found this fascinating. I know about the Pullman strike. And by the way, 1893 was a massive depression, which should be should be should be uh, mentioned. Yeah, should be mirrored uh, in in about a year and a half. So in 1893 was the massive depression. It was a massive depression. And the Pullman, uh, the Pullman Motor Co- it was the Pullman Coach Company who made uh, trains for uh, coaches for trains, lowered the wages of the slaves. By, by the way, did you know that that Pullman, those those cars that they made were actually l- leased and maintained at, by Pullman employees at all times? And so the people that that were in the cars that were helping you uh, fluff your pillow were all Pullman people. No, I didn't know that. The whole thing was leased. You would lease a bunch of Pullman cars and you'd drive them around and then you'd have to pay. It's just like software. It was like a software scam. <laughs> and there was a little uh, little license you had to read before you got on. Like, <laughs> read this. Yeah. and uh. So anyway, so um, uh, the, uh, the good people of Pullman, and it, it was a, a union at the time, they uh, went nuts and they said, screw it. You're going to screw us, then why don't, and this is, you know, no more pillow fluffing for you. And they went on strike, and uh, this was a big deal because uh, they actually got the uh, engineers of other uh, corporations to refuse to pull Pullman coaches. And President Grover Cleveland uh, sent in the troops. And I think there was, uh, I think like 30 people were killed. As he sent in uh, first the marshals, and then he sent minimally, in minimally, yeah. Well, this a lot book, of them were beaten, beaten to death by scabs. Yeah, they died later. Yeah, and that too, yeah, that too. So Grover Cleveland was freaking out, and uh, and within so they introduced this bill real quick. So of course they resolved everything. Like, oh, we can't have this, and we need to calm the slaves down. So he introduced the idea of a day off on uh, on Monday. And this thing passed through the house in six days. That's how desperate the situation was. And that is the true genesis of Labor Day. That is the first time it was nationally recognized, not this 1882 bull crap that the Department of Labor is talking about and this whatever this proclamation the president gives us. This was actually, it's a celebration of the uprising of the workers against the government trying to beat their brains in. And I think we need... It's like Sanco de Mayo. Yeah, kind of the same thing. <laughs> However, we don't... It's it's crazy how these things are just like kind of swept under the rug. I mean, we should really be celebrating our brethren who uh, stood up to the man. And instead, we're like, uh, isn't that new Homeland show coming on HBO? We should be revolting. Well, I'll tell you, our uh, uh, our uh, donations to this show are revolting. <laughs> yeah, really. Makes Sorry, me, it makes, took yeah, a while yeah. to get that game yeah. out. Woo! All right. Uh, anyway, um, well, then I might as well just get right into the, uh, since we're talking about unions, get right into the president's uh, address. So you, I mean, normally when it's a day of labor and all this stuff, the president actually comes out and says, hey, you know. Uh, let's, uh, oh, wait a minute, we're not working. Maybe that's why he didn't say anything about it. So instead, his address uh, focused on something we've talked about in the previous episodes of this program. At the end of September, if Congress doesn't act, funding for our roads and bridges will expire. This would put a stop to highway construction, bridge repair, 
mass transit systems, and other important projects that keep our country moving quickly and safely. And it would affect thousands of construction thousands. workers and their families who depend on the jobs created by these projects to make ends meet. Now, usually, renewing this transportation bill is a no-brainer. In fact, Congress no has renewed it seven times over the last two years. So this, of course, is once again about this transportation bill. We predicted it, that they just kind of kicked it down the road because they were all on vacation. They didn't want to deal with it. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. He said no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Hey, it's a no-brainer. It's the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. Yeah, it's no-brainer. We've done it seven times in two years. What kind of bill needs to be, why is this? Why does the bill need to be extended seven times in two years? Well, clearly because there's something wrong with it. And even though we've done this, and the link's in the show notes, once again, I just want you to understand, this is about Section 903 of the FAA Reauthorization Act. And this is only about a change that has been proposed probably seven times. I haven't tracked it back that far. And the change is to uh, see when President Obama came in, he changed the National Mediation Board. This has to do with the unions. And uh, he, first of all, he, uh, he put two of his shills on. So there's two of his shills and then one like independent guy. And they changed the National Mediation Board changed the Railway Labor Act. This is how far back this thing goes to allow a union to organize workers with only a majority of the votes cast. Because it used to be if you didn't show up, then your vote was against. And they changed it and said, well, if you don't show up, then you have no vote. So therefore, uh, you can have like 20 guys saying, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. And then you have a union. But, of course, the unions are a little different than back when the slaves revolted. And they've been going back and forth in this for, I, as far as I can, two years as far as I can track. So I guess it's been in there every single uh, time they uh, they went to reauthorize it. And here we are again. And he doesn't want this to be uh, to be thrown out because then, you know, he loses for Rich Trumka, the guy, the douchebag who's sitting there uh, in, in the Oval Office, that gangster. And they they want this because, of course, the unions are very powerful. They take all the union dues and they elect the president with it. So it's the same thing. And we're back to it. Right. We're, it's the same thing all over again. I'm tired of it. So what's your point? That our president is disingenuous. Oh, no. Well, wait a second. Let me get the red book out. In the morning. Disingenuous. Yeah. But it's a no brainer. It's a no-brainer, man. Hey, it's a no-brainer. Just sign this thing. Come on, Rich. Rich Trumka says it's a no-brainer. Sign it. Get on with it already. So anyway, so that's out. That's Labor Day. That's that's what we're all about. You know the people who are starting to understand it, the Israelis. This is good stuff that's going on. Of course, you won't. You yeah, won't. yeah, and that's so poorly covered. It's uh, pathetic. It's, it's actually not covered not, at all. So much uncovered news this week. Yeah. So there's but, uh, over uh, close to half a million people. Uh, protesting in Israel, and uh, and these are and by the way, it's not just Jews; it's Jews, Arabs. Like, they're all like, "Hey, we, what are you you're taking all our money in taxes? We can't afford food. We can't afford housing. This is, we're we're not taking it anymore. How come we not not doing that here? What what is the difference? What uh, we we have Snooky? Yeah, she is kind of hot. We have Jersey Shore. <laughs> Is that really it? Do you really think that that's what's doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Could be. I'm just like, wow. That's so unbelievable. That it, you know, it, and also our news media is like covering, uh, you know, they had the nothing to see here moments. 
this week is a classic, and um, namely the CIA story. Oh my goodness! The uh, yeah, this is the Musha Musha. Musha Husha, Musha Duga, whatever that guy's name is. So uh, I have a um, couple of clips about it that for anyone out there. And this was triggered. It started pretty much with the New York Times uh, on 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 Saturday. I think is really what made the thing fly. Uh, let me see. Where's my New York Times? You know. It's that big pile of yes. Poop. Yeah. You got it. Hey, JC, if you're listening, go get the New York Times on the steps. <laughs> hey, and give and, me some orange juice while you're at it. Anyway, <laughs> I left it on the steps. So anyway, in the front of the top <coughs> of the fold on the Saturday Times, they brought out this um, uh, fact that the, that they found some 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 paperwork uh, in Mushy Dushy's uh <laughs> office Wait, and this, now we're getting this, unfortunately we got email i really feel that di- i'm very disappointed in many of our listeners who sent us this note saying look adam was my favorite one look adam was right Gaddafi's working for the cia <laughs> And I'm I really I go, wait, first of all, you never said Gaddafi no. was working for the CIA to begin with. No, I said it's crazy that all of their uh, graffiti and all of their documents in the uh, inside the special HQ are all in English. Right. Which is dubious. But, that this, but that to just extrapolate that to your claim that he's working for the CIA and then to say that he is working for the CIA based on these news That's stories. That's even worse. Is worse. Yeah. This story, first first of all, we had a clip a couple of, you know, I think maybe four or five shows ago that I don't know if we ran it, but it, it's on the, it's in the show notes, uh, of the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency and an ex-deputy CIA director. And anyone who works in government, especially agencies like that, know that the deputy is the guy who really runs things. Yeah. And the CIA director is just some, you know, front man that the president was, it, was this one of your clips? Because I can find it on search.nashownotes.com. one of my clips, and it probably has DIA maybe in the... Uh, CIA? In the, CIA or DIA? Well, either DIA or CIA. I don't know. But anyway, I, I'll just summarize. The DIA guy goes on... As, if somebody's asked a point-blank question about how cooperative they are with other spy agencies and say look we anybody that wants to work with us we work with them for a lot of reasons one it saves us money they can do some work for us and we can do some work for them as long as it's not you know this is very much i like to describe it as like intel and amd sharing patents it's not unusual to for this to go on Lawrence so it's Wright not unusual was- for the cia to have contacts with other intelligence agencies including during the cold war with the russians I mean, this is just the way they do it. They don't exchange anything that they, you know, that they they're told to do. They just they're circumspect about what they exchange and so far as information. But they do it all the time. So it's no stunning shocker, especially since we've always been with you know friends supposedly with Gaddafi ever since the Lockerbie bombing. So it's no stunning shocker that there's some CIA connection to the to the Libyan CIA or whatever they call themselves, and so people get all worked up. And the fact that the New York Times would run this above the fold to me is an indication that this was a story that was meant because the CIA is telling the New York Times what to do. Yeah. It's just a nothing to see here thing. And the fact that people bought it hook, line, and sinker while all these other good news stories were going on was disgusting. But, but uh, to me, it was kind of weird that no one made the immediate connection uh, that this is about Musa Musa. This is the, the first guy to defect from Libya, went to the UK. He was like, he was a double agent. He just like, you know, it was like, oh man, it's getting, oh, the, the bombs are going to start coming in, the drones are flying. <laughs> I'm defecting. <clears throat> he just went home. <laughs> it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, man, we talked about the Musa Musa, the first guy to defect high yeah, level. Musa, Musa. High level and dude. so he leaves all these documents behind, which, and many of them, by the way, the one that I referred to specifically in a couple of emails was this one. I think, I hope I have the clip. I think I do. Uh, let's see what clips we have. The one which, which is signed Steve. There's a, they show it on the BBC. They say, oh, this just looks like a note from the CIA signed Steve. And there's this big signature that says Steve. I swear to God, it looks just like a cartoonist signature. <laughs> Steve. Steve. Yeah. So Steve signed off on this, whoever the fuck Steve is. Wait, where's the, do you have a clip for this, Steve? I think I got the Steve clip. Let me see what I, I, I sent you. I don't see it. I'm missing it. Uh-huh. It would be oh, clips. No. <laughs> uh, Steve. This is bad. I don't see any Steve. Bad acting by Rain. Let's see. CNN, Shirak. No, you don't have WikiLeaks it, WikiLeaks in Syria. It might be... Uh, let's, oh, that's a good one. That WikiLeaks one. Douchebag. Liquify your corpse. See, try the CNN report on CIA alleged documents. Okay, I hope this is Steve in this. Rights abuses by human rights abuses by many of these same agencies with which the CIA was cooperating. This is truly fascinating as we're looking at pictures mm. of the documents of the files. Any reaction been from the US or from Britain as of yet? Well, the the British uh, government has said they don't comment on intelligence matters, <laughs> and the CIA has declined to comment specifically on these alleged documents. However, a spokeswoman for the CIA did point out that all of this cooperation, that it's n- rather that it's normal for the CIA to cooperate with other countries in the effort to protect American citizens around the world. That seems to be the rationale. <laughs> Okay, so it's the other one. It says, bull crap, nothing to see here, CIA and Libya story. But before you play that, let me mention something they said on the CNN. They said it was an alleged document. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. Alleged is used. He's holding it, it right to, there. It's, it, it's, you're holding the thing, and it's le- alleged. alleged. How do you have an alleged document if you're holding it? <laughs> it's it's a, a document. Yeah. It's not an alleged document. This is they the, don't uh, know how to use the word alleged, these uh, people. I am Adam, the alleged Adam Curry speaking to the alleged John C. Dvorak. Do you, should we play the alleged clip? Play the bullcrap clip. Recently, Human Rights Watch says this letter signed with the name Steve is from the CIA. <laughs> the recipient was Musa Kusa, Musa head Kusa. of the Libyan intelligence service under Gaddafi. The documents were found in Kusa's office. They include hundreds of letters from the British MI6 with information about the Gaddafi regime's opponents. The documents also reveal the CIA rendered terrorism suspects to Libya for questioning. So this is just further confirmation um, and quite embarrassing to both the CIA and MI6 um, to have their very cozy relationship with Musa Kusa, um, a man who has a lot of blood on his hand, out there um, in public. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. So um, I want to meet who is I want to meet Steve. I want to meet Steve. There's a couple of things going on here. One, of course, these are all uh, alleged document documents between 2002 2004, which squ- uh, squarely is meant to blame anything on the Bush regime, and, along with the renditions and all of this. And I think you'll see this pop up. There will be some official response saying, "Well, you know, that was those douchebags." They did all that bad stuff. You know, we came in, we saved the day because clearly uh, Cheney and Bush were, you know, uh, in cahoots. I think that's a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, and of course, this was all meant to cover up 
what was really going on in Paris, which was really underreported. It was very hard for me to find any clips, video whatsoever on the uh, the 46 nations. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm getting JC to go get the papers that are on the steps down below. I thought you were whistling to the dog. I whistle to get attention. <laughs> Wait a minute. You put your kids on a leash and you whistle at them? When did, I, we, it's a big house. I got to whistle to get attention. I don't and, have an intercom a, like your place. <laughs> intercom. Attention, 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 JC. Attention, attention, JC. A big house, eh? You don't say. Just you and your swing. Anyway, so uh, very, very difficult. I had to resort to a lot of the UK media. Uh, do you mind if I just slip into this now, or do you want to continue more on the bull, the bull crap, on the Steve? Bull stuff? Crap? On the bull crap, <laughs> no, Steve. I stuff. think it's just. I think we should just make it clear to people that we're that this is that they were being distracted, and this is not a co- uncommon situation. And that, and if we're going to blame the CIA for stuff, let's don't do it for bull crap like this because no one's going to pick up on it. Congress knows how it works. No one's going to investigate anything. There's just nothing to investigate. It's a phony story. So the BBC, of course, has a lot of work to do because um, the the main benefactors of the spoils of Libya will, of course, be uh, Gitmo Nation East and Gitmo Nation Stinky Cheese. And uh, there's all kinds of video uh, of Sarkozy and uh, Cameron, like, uh, backslapping each other. Woo! But the BBC is on full-blown propaganda alert. So this is amazing to me. Have you noticed this, too? The BBC, you're right. They have turned up up the, the oh, propaganda yeah. numbers. I, so I've got the, they pin the needle. I've got some um, media deconstruction here. Now you cannot see, of course, uh, what is going on in this clip. But they cut to the, they have a report. They cut to the guy on what is now known as Martyr Square. It's been renamed. Apparently, they changed all the street signs. It used to be Green Square. Now the thing is empty. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. It's completely. I mean, there's not a single person. Which makes no sense to me, because I still believe it's the movie set in Doha where this guy is standing. And it is filled with light trusses, huge floodlights. I mean, this they've built a virtual set, and this guy is going to talk some bull crap, which is all propaganda. And then the kicker comes when they uh, bring in uh, Gaddafi's uh, uh, rebellious speech radio address. And how they handle that. So first, let's uh, let's listen to uh, the propaganda from the empty studio set. Hello, Libya's National Transitional Hello. Council says most of the country is now secure and Ooh, safe. Yes. Just a matter of time, they say, before Colonel Gaddafi is apprehended or killed. Well, this comes. By the way, that's also new. It used to be no fly zone. Now it's kill or capture for Gaddafi. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, when did they turn him into Bin Laden? Yeah. <laughs> After a message from the fugitive Gaddafi that he's ready to fight a long guerrilla war. He'd rather turn Libya into hell than surrender. By the way, I believe Gaddafi actually did say that. Libya's new leadership have promised a swift transition to democracy. Let's go live now to Tripoli and speak to the BBC's Ben Brown. Oh, Ben. Hello, Ben. Yes, hello. Welcome from Tripoli. We're in Martyr Square, or just overlooking Martyr Square, right by the old town in Tripoli. This used to be Green Square under the Gaddafi regime, but now it's been reclaimed by the anti-Gaddafi opposition and renamed Martyr Square. It's empty now, but in the next couple of hours, it's going to be absolutely packed. When we have Mm. all the extras come in, we just haven't uh, gotten all of their uh, details yet. They're late. (laughs) I mean, how can the square... Is there any square... 
Square. Is Union Square ever empty in San Francisco? Well, is Washington Square's got a park in the middle of it, so it's always got people, yeah. But what square in the world do you know that is empty? Just and then, and seriously, you're looking at this guy. It's like he's getting ready for the Lady Gaga concert. Yes, well, soon there'll be millions of fans packed in here in Martyr Square. We've got all the light trusses, everything set up. We're good to go. But right now, it's empty because it's empty. Because they're going to have uh, Friday prayers here at the end of the festival of Eid, marking the end of Ramadan, the very holy festival Ramadan. of Eid, which is the first time that people in Tripoli have been able to celebrate Eid freely since the uh, fall of the dictatorship, the dictatorship of 42 years. Of now, here's another thing that they're doing. You keep, so they do B-roll, of course. And you see people with Libyan flags. Why? Why is the B-roll all of people with with the old Libyan flag and not the new Libyan flag? Have you noticed this? No, no, I didn't notice so, that. So the, thought, yeah, the, I, the new Libyan flag is just green. Is a full green with the Libyan thing in the middle. Uh, very much I like that the was Indian. the old Libyan flag. No, I'm pretty sure that the new one is just the green. No, I thought the old, the new one was the black and green and with red or whatever. No, no, I may be confused. Now we'll have to consult the Book of Knowledge. Colonel Gaddafi. I'll, I'll consult. Yeah, please. Well, Gaddafi himself issued a couple of broadcasts yesterday warning of a long guerrilla war of resistance, uh, saying that uh, his supporters should get ready to fight the occupation, he said. We will burn the ground under their feet. So, now, when you're putting a report together... And they actually play a little bit of the audio uh, in the background of Gaddafi. They can't lie because, of course, someone will be able to understand the Libyan dialect of Arabic and will call them on it. So what do you do in this case if you want to totally discredit the guy and make him sound like a kooky nutball? You do the voice like this. Libya will not surrender and we will not be colonized. <laughs> we will fight them wherever they are and burn the earth under their feet. Resistance is growing in Tripoli, and it will be liberated inch by inch. I mean, you could easily have, like, a guy with a British accent read it. I mean, anyone could have... I could have done this. Yeah, you bring a comic actor in. <laughs> it's like, we will burn it inch by inch. I tell you, I am horrible dictator. It's like, that is that is such horrible reporting to do that. You can do, do a translation, okay. All right, so it's crazy. So then we got the talking points of the talking heads. Uh, this with and of course, uh, this just killed me. So first we have um, what's his name, uh, Miliband, total nerd dweeb. What is Miliband's job over there in the UK? I forget. I don't know. He's one of the. Isn't he the voice? The voice of, for the, the vo for the opposition. Yeah. Well, it's funny because he has the same talking points as the foreign secretary uh, Hague. So here's uh, Miliband's talking points. This is an important moment, first of all, to recognise the National Transitional Council and the role they will be playing in taking Libya forward. And we've got to be led by them in this <sighs> because it's very important that the Libyan people determine their own future. What we need is order restored on the streets of Libya, but we also need to provide assistance to that National Transitional Council. For example unfreezing uh, the assets that they have so that they can get the money flowing in from oil. 
that is possible for Libya. So I think today's a good day, uh, an important day to mark new leadership in Libya, new leadership that we wanted to see. And let's also remember the role that British service personnel have played in enforcing that no-fly zone, protecting civilians and making possible that transition that we want to see from, if you like, a popular revolt in Libya to stable uh, democratic government for the future. Okay, so the talking points are uh, this is a great day, a uh, good job, we need to help them, we need to help them with stuff like money and you know that we stole, and, uh, and let's not forget that we deserve part of the spoils of all that, because hey, we, we were there, don't forget we were there, so here comes Haig, Secretary of the, uh, the Foreign Office, I believe is his title. We're working now on a, on a new UN Security Council resolution, which will mandate a UN mission in Libya, ah. uh, as appropriate. and As appropriate, a UN mission, mm, boots on the ground. To be agreed, of course, with the Libyans, uh, and which will provide the process for the unfreezing of the tens of billions tens of, of billions dollars, dollars. Uh, assets which uh, the, the Gaddafi regime had amassed. Those should be used for the benefit of the people of Libya. But there's also other help that we can provide, expertise, uh, for instance, in policing, no. in the clearance of landmines, no. uh, certain items of medical supplies. Uh, these are things we're engaged in uh, as uh, well. So that sounds like a takeover to me. Sounds like the UK boots are going on the ground. When were landmines in the picture? <laughs> it's it's bullcrap. It's just like throwing a Lady die B-roll or something. Landmines. Ever clearing out a landmine so the stupid slaves buy it. That's, that's what that was a callback to, actually. Totally. Think about it. Totally. Now, here comes the best. This is Cameron. And, I mean, I've heard this. I think this will be an evergreen. I've heard lies before, but this one just boggled my mind. One of the reasons why Tripoli is getting itself back together again in relatively good order, and of course there'll be difficult days, is because it wasn't a foreign force that knocked over Gaddafi's <laughs> regime. The Libyans did it themselves. It wasn't done to them. They did it. And so they the are bombing. Wait, wait, wait a minute. It wasn't are a we kidding? <laughs> it wasn't a foreign force? It was just a bunch of bomb the crap out of him and let these boneheads with their stupid guns on the back of pickup trucks fire into the air. Give how, me a break. How unbelievable Does, does the is UK that? public buy this crap? I guess so. And that's, that's their prime minister. Well, it was not a foreign force. Yes, it was. It was NATO. It was Americans. It was... Uh, British, it was French, it was, there were a couple, a number of other countries bombing thousands of bombs, which we never saw on television, when we saw rebels shooting randomly. <laughs> it was no foreign force. All right, now, now, I have a message for Lucifer Hillary Clinton, and then I'll get off this topic, because it's, it's just more of the same every week. It's just too funny for me. It's, it's, it's my entertainment. It's the Libyan shore. That's uh, we, who's who's Snooky in the Libyan shore. We don't have a, we haven't cast her yet. So uh, Clinton comes out, uh, Hillary Lucifer, and she does a whole very boring speech, same old. Blah, blah, blah. And then she gets uh, an interesting question from Nicole, who does not announce herself as Nicole, but Hillary knows her as Nicole. Nicole. Hi, Madam Secretary. Hello. There's a lot of anger on Capitol Hill and in the U.S. at large about Abdel Basset al-Megrahi, the fact that he's still at large in Libya. We understand you brought the issue up with Libya's new leaders. Could you tell us what you asked of them and, and how they responded? Well, Nicole, first I want to underscore the fact that I share the anger 
Um, ah. As you know, I represent... Now, this is about the Lockerbie bombing, for those of you who don't know who Al McGrahi is. ...represented uh, New York for eight years. A lot of the uh, people who were killed uh, came from either Syracuse University or nearby in upstate New York. And as I have said many times, the United States categorically disagrees with the decision uh, that was made two years ago by the Scottish executive to release uh, El Magrahi uh, and return him to Libya. We have never wavered from our disagreement and condemnation of that decision. Uh, he should be behind bars. Well, hold on a second, Hillary. Have you watched CNN? I mean, just on Thursday, we had Nick Robertson. Abdul Basid Al-Magrahi's villa. We've got him. In upmarket He's in the villa. Town. At least six security cameras and floodlights. I don't understand. If she's Wait, so outraged. So, so here's the deal. So they got this guy, McGrahi, who's a, who's a stooge anyway, because he figured that out. By the way, I've come to the conclusion that the only right way they could do this war to begin with is they finally captured the evidence that McGrahi and those guys were going to present to the uh, world court or whoever to get him off to oh, put yeah. the finger oh, on yeah. the real culprits for that Lockerbie thing. Yeah. And once they captured that and put it aside, then now, now they can take care of the rest of these guys. So uh, so they have McGrahi. We saw it last week. We talked about it on the last show that the guy's on a deathbed, so if it's even him, but they got the lights on him. They, they, so they know where he is. So, so this came... After that, Hillary says we'd yes. like to find him. Yeah. I, I, no, there's no way. She just yes. had to be before. No, no. You mean she's just blatantly lying? She just said, no, he should be in jail. We're all over this. I, I think, uh, yeah, because this Robertson thing was Wednesday. This speech of hers was Friday in Paris. You're kidding. No. So she, all she has to do is call Nick Robertson, former satellite operator, now all of a sudden chief uh, journalist of CNN, who, remember, he was knocking on the door and climbing over the wall. Oh, I found him. It was very hard to find him here in the upmarket apartment complex. Well, why don't you just go in there, Hillary, with your clippity-clop boots, and go get him if you're so so serious and so honest. Well, that qualifies as clip of the day. I just found, well, I love how she I goes. I mean, I just can't believe the gall. But again, nobody's watching the, you know, watching the store, and they can say whatever they want, and people lap it up, lap, lap, yep. lap, lap, yep. lap. Yep. And that's the end of it. Uh, I do have uh, some analysis from a guy on uh, Russia Today. Oh, by the way, the Russians uh, are now on board. They signed, They now recognize the... Uh, uh, transitional national no, we did council. A deal. Well, I yeah. think there was the Exxon deal that did that, by the way. Uh, so... Um, that flag is the right flag. The flag that Gaddafi used was just a solid field oh, really? of green. Okay. And as you remember, he wrote that book called The Green Revolution. Yeah, yeah, it was you're about right. I'm wrong. Green I'm wrong. this. And this flag, the current flag, the National Transitional Council flag, which you saw, yeah. is essentially the old Kingdom of Libya flag from the 50s. Really? Yeah. So they still had a bunch laying around. Yeah, they got flag makers in China are cheap. So listen to this guy from, uh, he's an author, he's on Russia Today, and uh, I just kind of like uh, the way he, uh, hold on a second, is that the right one? Here it is. I just kind of like the way he wrapped it all up in a, in one minute soundbite. And, you know, let, let's just also recognize one remarkable piece of, um, of coincidence. All of the countries that are tagged by the mainstream media on behalf of the, uh, the political elite, all of the countries tagged such as Venezuela, Cuba, Libya, Iraq, Iran, North Korea, 
all have one thing in common, or had one thing in common, and that is they are free of debt from the World Bank. That they are not locked <laughs> into the World Bank and the IMF. They have their own banks, they issue their own currency. And, and we also have to uh, recognize the, the remarkable coincidence between Gaddafi's statement that he was going to start issuing uh, gold dinar and demanding that his oil was purchased in gold and then the next thing we know of course then we have a popular uprising now this was brilliant it was a brilliant strategy because when tony blair and george bush announced in two thousand and two that they were planning to um, uh, launch um, uh, a regime change event on iraq millions of people hit the streets across the uh, the western world but this time this time effectively the same has uh, or is in process in Libya as was uh, um, done in Iraq uh, what would that be eight years ago in 2003 and yet this time because if you like the scene was set through other popular uprisings Libya just seemed to be the next natural part of the process and I love how he uh, puts that together and remind me John I have an end of show clip of uh, Louis Farrakhan citing from the book uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman <laughs> Which is, it's just, it's, he should do the whole audio book, I think. <laughs> With that voice. <laughs> it's really, really good. Get the phony baloney voice. <laughs> he should do, it, it would be a 49 hour book. It takes him so long, but it is <laughs> a slow talker, but he has to do it in the church with it, with all of his, uh, his disciples. Cause it's really, really good. And then Bunky Moon, uh, he came out and said, yeah, we got it. We got to give some money back. We got it. it it's funny cause the Euro news the definition of this amount of money just kind of blew me away. I'll just play the first 10 seconds. The United Nations has agreed to release a chunk of Libya's frozen assets. <laughs> What's a chunk? Chunk. <laughs> who, who reports like that? Money, what kind of reporting is that? Here's a here's a chunk. Here's a chunk of your, your change. What kind of reporting is that? A chunk. Is that is that really what 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 journalism has come to? A chunk. Well, I did. Some, uh, yeah. You come to your editor and say, "Well, here's my uh, here's my story on uh, on the United Nations uh, giving back uh, the cash. Uh, we've determined it's a chunk. Oh, that's very good. That's good work. Uh, <laughs> good work, Nelson. A chunk. It's crazy. So, what, a couple of nothing to th- see here things that uh, or, or things that you should be watching instead of this that, that, that are completely not played up. In fact, I was looking at the Times, Saturday Times, and the Sunday Times, which I'll discuss more in detail after the break. Actually, let's take a quick break to, to thank our two executive producers yeah. before I get into this uh, next topic. Yeah, it's a big, a big break here. Well, let's see if I can even find <laughs> I, I got the, to, uh, I got some good PR stuff, though, so at least we'll have a laugh. Okay, so we have two executive producers, both of them from outside the country, because it turns out that it's a holiday, uh, unemployment day tomorrow in the United States. And um, and so no Americans uh, seem to want to work uh, during these periods, and we've noticed this before in other shows, and they, and they disappear. So our two executive producers are both outside the country, and this, this holiday is unbeknownst to them. Of course, number one on the list, a member of the 336 Club for donating $336 is uh, Baron Von Pelsmachers, who saw the need to jump in, but he also uh, says uh, he wants to wish you a happy birthday uh, with the words Galukaj Verjadag. Galukaj Verjadag. Adam. And nog vele luk jaren. <laughs> en nog vele leuke jaren. 
Hail the foots. In addition, I'll uh, just bet that if he adds up his age, and you should try this, uh-huh. to, to, to your birthday tomorrow, yesterday. Yes, uh, no, my birthday was yesterday. Oh, yesterday, yeah. I'm yes. sorry. Thanks, thanks, uh, that, thanks for the email. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the tweet, John. Really appreciate it. Very nice of you. You're welcome. Uh, and so uh, he says it'll add up to $111. I don't know if that's true, but yes, it's possible. It, it, it turns out that I was born in 1964, so six and four, that would be 10. And then I added up to uh, the age that I will be, uh, and that's uh, 47, so that's 111. Yep. Uh, Neil Dudman in uh, the Czech Republic uh, says finally donating after, and he's uh, donated $200, and he's an associate executive producer for today's show. Finally donating after listening for the last four months, says no agenda, has the best entertainment value of all podcasts I listen to. Please uh, give some karma to my wife, Vera uh, the Dudmanova, for... Uh, being the best in the world and to help her online business, uh, mowingwithease.com, where she sells scythes. <laughs> What's that? Isn't that the thing that, uh, the, that the, 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 the Grim Reaper the carries Grim Reaper around. carries around? Cool. <laughs> By the way, the, those things are amazing at cutting uh, if they're sharp. Oh, I've, I've once cut my finger on one just by feeling it. Yeah. Uh, they, anyway, they, they, she has a great online video in, uh, in the Czech Republic and pick up a really sharp scythe and mow down the weeds and grass. And when that's done, uh, off with the heads of the douchebags. <laughs> and he says, uh, can John do all the pronunciations, please? Uh, it is a feature. Uh, yeah. So you've done all that. Sign Neil Dudman. And I... Uh, um, Mowingwithease.com. Let me give the karma out before we uh, pass that by. You've got karma. Very nice. Thank you so much, uh, Neil. And of course, uh, Baron von Pelsmachers. Um, I knew it could count on on, uh, on the Baron. It's very nice that Neil came in. And uh, I, I think we barely are uh, sustained by our $5 a month uh, subscribers. Of course, that always comes in at the beginning of the month. So that is kind of a, uh, a plus there. But anyway. Um, these are official credits, as you know, and uh, you can uh, take that to the bank. And unlike the phonies in Hollywood, we'll always uh, be happy to vouch for you. If you'd like to support this program, if you're listening and you think it's uh, it's giving you some entertainment, just consider what you spend on other entertainment. Consider giving up your cable bill, which is probably about $150 a month, and that's on the low side. Um, it, it could even be as, as high as $200 a month and uh, donating a portion of that to the show so that we can continue to do this and not starve, because I don't think I can get a job anywhere else. Dvorak.org slash N-A There are some cool things going on today in the world of PR for the program. There's a listening meetup today in Virginia, uh, I believe hosted by the Pilgrims, Harry and Jennifer, and I know the Baroness and the elusive Mr. Smith will be there. And they do have a website for this. It's noagendameetup.org. You can organize your own meetup. Uh, they have suggestions on uh, how to put it together. There's a calendar there. Uh, let's see. Uh, meetup ideas. Listen to the live stream. Live streaming your own camera as audience, audience feedback. Uh, in your underwear, I think, will be good. Monitor with live IRC chat feed, food and drinks, and conspiracy theory bingo. Is uh, <laughs> playing Illuminati or paranoia or whatever else you can think of, and socializing with like-minded individuals. Very nice to see that happening, and uh, I think it's good because that's it's kind of like an Avon party where you get together, you can bring someone new in, and then they'll they'll just feel too embarrassed to not go like, "What the hell is this all about?" And they go like, "Oh yeah, it's great," and then you can get some money from them and send it to us. 
Uh, some other PR initiatives, meaning uh, websites that are forwarding to noagendashow.com, just, uh, just trying to get by.com. Thank you very much, Ken. That's a good one. I like that. Um, of course, uh, someone uh, had to go and do exactly what we needed. Genetically modified crack.com, now pointing to noagendashow.com in honor of Al Sharpton. Slaves with noagenda.com is another brand new uh, uh, domain name that uh, is pointing to the show. And I think it was, uh, who was this? Relax, relax and Warky. It was a tweet that came in. Uh, and the tweet was, working the golf tourney on a corporate golf course, $10 worth of golf balls with a little no agenda. I guess what he did is he, uh, he got a whole bunch of the golf balls for this tournament and wrote no agenda dot, no agenda dot CA on them for uh, one of our Canadian domains forwarding and he took a nice picture of him so that's uh, that's pretty good actually you know someone's out there playing a game and like well you know you can have golf balls custom printed i think people somebody should buy a bunch of them and give them out to all their buddies who are golfers yeah that's good but they don't fly straight and like fly, fly. no the no agenda balls fly better than straight <laughs> fly better than anything uh, gents, uh, I was so struck by the British clip you played recently of the D-grade actor bemoaning the fact that the Merck vaccine Gardasil for HPV is not available to boys, only girls. I went out and I registered oralsexlicense.com. Perfect for you. <laughs> and that now forwards to noagendashow.com. And uh, we might be handing those out, these oral sex licenses. I think that's worth some money. And say, it's okay, baby. I have an oral sex license. I'm licensed to do this. Don't worry. Sit back and enjoy. Not valid in Georgia. <laughs> and 13 other states. And then uh, finally, Gonzo Markets came up with a great uh, new initiative. I think, it, I think it's really good, and you can help me out here, John. Uh, if you go to noagendaeverywhere.com, it is the HTTP refer spoofing PR initiative for noagendashow.com. So he has a, um, on this, he, has a, he did a screencast, a whole video on how to do this. Essentially, any website you go to will show that uh, that the place that that browser came from was noagendashow.com. And that would then show up in web logs, in actual the server logs. And he feels that it might actually help us get some attention uh, for the program. I thought it was kind of an interesting idea. That's unusual. An unusual thought. This guy's obviously a coder. Yep. Or some programming type, because no one in their right mind would come up with this idea. <laughs> Correct. And uh, I like it. Yeah, noagendaeverywhere.com, and I think it's good. Yeah, an HTTP <laughs> refer spoofing uh, app. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you can load it right into, I guess, Firefox as a plug-in. Well. And then uh, if you go to, uh, like, Microsoft.com, they'll start seeing, uh, or any website you go to, They'll start seeing noagendashow.com as the place you came from. They'll be like, wow, this No Agenda Show must be something cool. I mean, they're, yeah, sending, they're referring to all this stuff. This send, is interesting. Send, and they're sending traffic to me. And then, you know, before you know it, Steve Ballmer will be listening. That's a possibility. Hmm. Again, thank you very much uh, to our executive producer and sole member of the 336 Club, uh, Baron Stephen Pelsmakers, and our associate executive, executive producer, Neil Dudman, uh, very much for uh, giving us the very much needed support. Of course, you can always go out and do something important like propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Okay, here we go. Shut up, slave.
Before you jump into something there, John, I do just want to say that there is another prediction for another uh, country on the Arab Spring list. Uh, Of course, you've called Algeria. Nothing really has happened there, but they are on the radar. Uh, Morocco, I think uh, one of my one of our producers pointed this out to me. Yeah, I'm not buying that one. Well, I I did go in and I looked at what's going on with Morocco, and uh, just in the past 12 hours, uh, a travel advice warning has come out about Morocco, uh, warning uh, subjects of the Gitmo Nation East not to travel there because of uh, purported terrorism. And uh, his entire thesis was that uh, 90% of the world's estimated phosphorus reserves are only found in five countries, China, South Africa, Jordan, the United States, and Morocco, uh, and that phosphorus and phosphates uh, are a very important uh, and desired resource. Your thoughts? Well, if China's already got it, they're, they're not going to be... Well, if the China's no, got it, then we're not going to get it from the China. No, but we have it, too. Phosphorus is available. Okay. Uh, I just don't see it. I mean, it's po- I'll look into it, but I, I I thought of Morocco when I said Algeria. And, uh, you know, these countries are still not on the path to Persia. The, but the one that cracks me up, which I have the clip from, which I think was the reason that CIA story cropped up in the New York Times and elsewhere, was to cover up the... There's two things they wanted to cover up, I believe. One is the the the, the real rollout of WikiLeaks, which nobody seems in the mainstream media wants to talk about. They just complain about it. Right. Which I got the biggest kick out of all these news organizations. This is terrible that these people released all these documents that we had a a monopoly on. Yeah, let's let's just revisit that for one moment because people do need to understand that what WikiLeaks had done is they had made a deal with their partners, uh, Das Bild, New York Times, The Guardian. Was there a third one in there? There's five, actually. There's one in France, one in Germany. Right, the I thought that was the Spiegel. I'm not sure. Oh, it could be Spiegel. I'm sorry, it could be Spiegel. And uh, yeah. uh, the, to the Times, the Guardian, and one other. Right, one. and of, and of course, uh, the whole idea was that then the these professional journalists, professional licensed journalists, that they would uh, wade through everything and and find what is important for us to know. Then they would check it with the State Department, make sure it's okay to release it. Then they'd redact it, and then they'd print it in the papers like some big news. It was it was a horrible intelligence psyop set up to begin with. Yeah, and they did that actually for about a week, and then they stopped. It was longer. And than so, that. and meanwhile, they're chasing uh, Assange all over the place. And right. so he said, "Screw it! These guys are dropping the ball." And so he just released the whole damn thing. So he pushed he- he his hand on the red button. It's mm-hmm. a big old red button, and boom! He pushed it down, and boom! And now apparently he released some more stuff like. Yeah, yesterday right or the day before and they still got the banker stuff that that's what's going to get him killed by well the wasn't the banker stuff uh the stuff that was that was deleted i think, I think that, he still got the banker nah, stuff well it, the story was it was deleted well maybe that's a yeah. cover story yeah. i'm not buying it not me neither i mean how hard is it to like make a copy everybody copies everything yeah. there's probably 20 copies out there yeah whatever the case is the banker stuff is what's going to get him in trouble because that's going to you really blow the lid off stuff that you've. So the, this this latest release is just you know I I don't see it's mostly boring crap, but uh, I do have two. Uh, there was there was one funny story, uh, which was the Syrian story about the prisoners. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the intro to it under WikiLeaks one in Syria. 
And more damning revelations are coming to light a day after the whistleblower website WikiLeaks released its full archive of U.S. diplomatic documents. More than 250,000 cables, much of it uncensored, were made available to the media. Well, among them was new information on riots that took place at Syria's infamous Saidnaya military prison in 2008. Amnesty International says 52 prisoners went missing and another 22 were killed after government forces went in to control the violence. Well, at the time, the Syrian government said the prisoners were convicted terrorists and extremists. But WikiLeaks appears to tell a different story. Clayton Swisher, the head of Al Jazeera's transparency unit, explains. OK, uh, my interest is piqued. Oh, you don't know this story? No. It's, 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 it's actually more humorous than anything. By the way, Al Jazeera Transparency Unit. What the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, we need, we, need, we need that. It's so you watch the, by the way, you're going to see the New York Times. Or <laughs> oh, the Washington oh, hold, Post on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I gotta. Hi there. This is Adam Curry. I'm a member of the Al Jazeera Transparency Unit. Here to serve, ma'am. Okay, so we can hear this story's a little long, but it yeah, and you have to listen to the details carefully because there's some humor in here that is just like an eye roll. It's kind of sick humor, by the way, so people can close their ears if they don't want to hear sick humor. But this is actually what apparently what happened and what was revealed in the WikiLeaks that it was never made public. This 2010 cable is aptly titled "When the Chickens Come Home to Roost," and you'll find out why right now. The Syrian government approaches Islamist prisoners at the Sydney military prison. They say to them, we will release you, train you, provided you go and fight Americans in neighboring Iraq. Many of the prisoners obliged, off they go. Now this is according to the U.S. government's sensitive reporting, human rights activists, three former prison inmates, a guard, credible testimony according to this cable. When the prisoners came back, they're now Iraq war veterans, rather than give them any sort of freedom, the Syrian government puts them right back in the cells that they had left. Obviously, they were very unhappy about this. Uh, this caused a series of disturbances in July of 2008. The result was the Syri Syrian military surrounds the prison. They send in unarmed cadets, according to the cable, who are then overpowered. And the cable goes on in, in very descriptive language to talk about how the disgruntled prisoners overpower these cadets who had batons uh, took their uniforms, put them on, dressed the prison, uh, dressed the the uh, cadets in prison garb, marched them up onto the roof of the prison. The Syrian military then shoots its own uh, from the roof. Now, this led to a standoff. The prisoners were in charge of the prison from July until October 2008. They were trading military cadets in exchange for food. And then in December 2008, the Syrians go in with overwhelming force, kill many people, and still until now, as you mentioned, Human Rights and Amnesty International is demanding to find out what happened to all these prisoners who disappeared. Oh, do you think they're causing a ruckus? <laughs> so there's just something, it's a movie uh, scene. You grab the guys, dumb cadets come rolling in, they grab them, rip their clothes off, put them in prison uniforms, march them to the roof, and then have their own guys shoot them. Unreal. Look, we got them right here. Shoot them, shoot them. Wow. Anyway, so that's the kind of uh, amusing uh, anecdotes that are the WikiLeaks uh, have. I looked up, did you do a search for flying saucer? No, I did. I, I, <laughs> gee, John, that's the one thing I didn't search. I searched for Dvorak. It showed up 3,500 times. Well, there's a lot of Dvoraks in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, you did. I'm actually stunned. No, I, I look for something. Did you do a flying saucer? Yeah. I, I, did, what'd you come up with? There is one reference to flying saucers, <laughs> and it's it has to do with a cult that's in the Montreal area in uh, Canada, in Quebec. 
And uh, it was actually quite an interesting, uh, so some religious cult, and they're calling for the flying saucers to land. It was really, it uh, wasn't what I was hoping for. I looked up uh, Lagarde and Dominique Strauss-Kahn. That's what I thought would might be interesting, because these are cables that are pretty recent. And I uh, came up with something from 2007 where uh, there's a call between Paulson, Christine Lagarde, and Sarkozy. And Sarkozy is really pushing in 2007 for Dominique Strauss-Kahn to uh, become the top dog at uh, the IMF, which I thought was interesting. So that kind of you know sets. Uh, so I think the the shill in the room was probably Lagarde on the, on this particular call. Um, but in summary, this cable reveals that uh, the top officials in France and the United States, being Paulson, Sarkozy, and Lagarde, who at the time was the finance minister from France, knew. In 2007 now, knew that the banks were committing fraud uh, with all the uh, subprime mortgage uh, bullcrap packaging, lying to investors, and they and they basically agreed we were just going to keep quiet to try and figure it out. They knew it a full year before this thing blew up. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, heaven forbid did the public find out about that. Yeah. So on the heels of this, John, comes this lawsuit, which... Of course, it's not really being publicized, uh, but it seems that we, the American peoples, are, uh, through uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, are suing uh, 17 big banks who, of course, pretty much were all complicit in the financial meltdown. And this includes uh, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Barclays, HSBC, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank... First Horizon National. I mean, and for it's for like two hundred billion dollars. This is a big deal. Surprise is that low. That has been actually covered pretty. No, it's not on CNN. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I have, but it's like it's it's the the public's eyes glaze over. Okay, how come Wells Fargo's not on this list? By the way, that's what I thought was interesting. They're Hmm. they're the biggest a holes of the bunch. They may be the biggest a-holes, but they may not be the biggest crooks. Mm. By the way, just a quick note. You may have, you know, remember, the, play the Chirac corruption trial, just a little piece of news to throw in kind of in the mix here because it's part of this. Oh, this is a uh, French yeah. thing. Yeah, sure. I know what's going on here. Lawyers for the former French president, Jacques Chirac, says he's not fit to attend his corruption trial. They've asked the judge to begin hearings in the absence of their client. The 78-year-old is facing charges of embezzlement during his tenure as mayor of Paris between 1977 and 1995. The trial, which starts on Monday, has been repeatedly postponed. Yeah, I'm too sick to come. This is like, remember when Chirac was in, uh, was the the head of France, and they said, well, he can't be uh, per- prosecuted as for this corruption that we, everyone knows took place in Paris. Right. And, well, he's the head of France, and once he gets out, he's going to get, you know, prosecuted. So once he got out, they put, this has been going on forever. They're ne- this is so, the, the, the system doesn't work. No, he has a note from his doctor. <laughs> I'm not feeling too well. I, I don't think I can come. No. Anyway, this is the, this the whole behind the scenes thing, which is why the WikiLeaks thing is so interesting, is so rife with corruption 
that, you know, the WikiLeaks thing just, you know, blows it out. And then what you get from the New York Times and the Guardian, these great bastions of truth, is they bitch about it. Oh, this is not right. You're going to, you're going to, people's life, the quote was, people's lives are going to be at risk. No, no, people may already be dead. They may already be killed because of this. It's like, what? Who? Yeah, I don't think anyone has been killed that we know of. No. Well, but it does it does put Assange in a, in a new light. Assange. Yeah, he's getting sick of something or other. He's getting tired. He's going to start rolling stuff out that these guys don't want rolled out. And, you know, make him the bad guy. It's fine. But uh, I'm not buying it. Where do you think he's living now? Do we know? I know he was doing like... Uh, Sock ops. Is he, is he back in? No, he's not in Sweden. Oh, he, you know, he, you, it's very easy. We just consult the book of knowledge. <laughs> Please do track that. Consult the book of knowledge. I don't, does the book of knowledge have any information on this? You know, the funny thing is about the book of knowledge. I've, I've done this over the years. You know, someone will get shot in the morning before the show starts. Mm-hmm. And I look it up in the book of knowledge and it's in there immediately because there are people that dog certain pages. Right. Well, you, you, can, you, can't got, add, you can't add something yourself anymore, can you? Oh, yeah, you can. You can still add stuff. Oh, really? I thought you had right, to be but, like but, an but editor. The thing you have to realize is that when you add something to some page that's being dogged by an archivist, a guy who's oh, just yeah. on it. Forget about it. He gets an RSS message immediately right. that a change has been made, and he'll go in within seconds yeah, and, and, and sw- it. either swap it swap out it or out. ban you. Yeah. If it's inaccurate, or he'll just leave it there. What if he, but if it's inaccurate, or if he thinks it's inaccurate, there's a difference. Well, it's not if he thinks it's inaccurate. Right. All right. All right. Let's take a look at the Book of Knowledge and see Assange. Uh, he's in 2000. He's hearing his old high school. Okay, so he is in Sweden. Uh, he said the allegations are wrong. Da da da. Oh, he hearing was Sweden. held. Hmm. I, as far as I can tell, he's still in Sweden. But the the case is on hold. Hmm. The sex charges is so he's like out on bail or whatever they call it. <laughs> uh, it's weird because I thought he was one hundred percent CIA asset, and now I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe he was, you know, but it, he's got to be careful. That's for sure. But it, in general. All of well, these maybe kids. he was at one time, and he's and they're not treating him with you know. There's, there's some deal what that was made that they've reneged on, and he said, okay, push the big red button. The thing that I'm worried about is that, you know, this kind of legitimizes everything that's in there, and we don't know if this is true. And yeah, I know, that, and that also that it's possible with the assets that you have at a big agency that they grabbed the whole database and then massaged it and gave it back to That's them. my point. That's, what, that's exactly yeah, what no, I'm it saying. Could be half the stuff could be bull crap. We should, uh, you know, so there's a couple of, you sent me a link to an online version of it. Uh, what was yeah? The, there's a couple online versions of it with search engines. What, what was the, well? I had an idea. What was the address again? It was uh, here. We go. You can find it at uh, cablegatesearch.net. So I think uh, I'm sure we have a we must have a WikiLeaks domain, some form of WikiLeaks domain that's pointing to noagendashow.com. I think we should uh, grab the database. <laughs> and we and we should make it searchable, but then uh, we do a couple things. First, we do all the uh, the the no agenda BS filter replacements, <laughs> so everything shows up with Lucifer Clinton and all that stuff. We should have that, but then we just just you know like stir things up a bit, change yeah, stuff add around. Some bogus memos, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just write a few and just add them in there. 
Well, I don't think it's a problem uh, spidering the site and grabbing the database. So I think someone could do that. Well, you know, it's easily. probably even easier. Whenever someone enters a, we only have like ten articles, right? And you and oh, I, you can, want to do it as a middle a middleware, so you don't even have to get the database. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, so you, you just you looks search like the it. database, but the middleware changes <laughs> yeah. it. And not just that, but it, it changes it to like the ten articles that we've written, and then it just inserts your term. So if you're looking like for Gaddafi, it'll say, you know. <laughs> Colonel Gaddafi was found in a brothel this afternoon. You know, just have all, just have that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, and, and then and then brought to you funny. by the fine folks at NoAgendaShow dot com. That could go viral. It would it would take some real work for some for some real sysadmins to put this together. But man, you guys do so much work anyway. Think of how fun that could be. I think it's a great idea. So it could be a, a you don't even have to you, you can just pass off the search string in the background to the existing database. You don't even have to set up a new database. The, 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 yeah, no, it's just all middleware. The database right. stays and the search engine stays stays on this site. <laughs> it's just, it's just it, we suck up stuff. We just put a different different results. <laughs> just change the results. What can we do? What kind of good stories could we have? Uh, well, there could be a lot of, I like the brothel things. Uh, the, there should be a lot of uh, buggery and uh, <laughs> a lot of sex stories, buggery. scandals, uh, crazy relationships that we don't, that would make no sense. <laughs> just, you know what, just pull something from the No Agenda show notes every single time. So, uh, something to be done but, there. By the way, yeah, and show notes should be some occasional. Gaddafi was reading the No Agenda <laughs> website, and he right. was going to kill himself, but he didn't. You know, after Gaddafi received a chilling report from the NoAgendaShow.com producers. Okay, so uh, so Assange is actually in Elfingham Hall in Norfolk, England, as we speak, in a country house. I told you that he wasn't in Sweden. He's, he's near the town of Bungay. Mm. He's doing uh, 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 gigs. I think he's doing speeches. Yeah. Well, apparently he's he's in England. So here's a good right. one. So so here's a here's a here's a wiki. I'm sure you saw this one. Uh, United Nations peacekeepers in the Ivory Coast. That's Cote d'Ivoire to you and I. Enticed underage girls in a poor part of the West African nation to exchange sex for food. Well, that's a big deal. Oh, it's not worth covering. Here's another one. UN rapist. I got the clip. Play it. Oh, sorry. You caught me off guard. Here we go. A teenage boy is accusing United Nations peacekeepers in Haiti of rape. Mobile phone video, which is said to show the attack, has been presented to the UN. Soldiers from Uruguay are accused of assaulting the 18-year-old in Port Salut in July. The UN's investigating whether the video, apparently shot on its military base, is authentic. Hmm. So didn't we hear, wasn't some action in Africa before that UN troops are just these horrible people and they, they do this shit because they think they can get away with it because with, they wear the blue helmet or whatever? Right. This is just, this is the future. <laughs> blue helmeted ra uh, rapists, you know, running things. Brought to you by Viagra. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I'm I'm dismayed, but luckily we have something very important and dangerous happening here at home, John. A new terror warning is out tonight as we near the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. A five-page bulletin from the FBI and the Homeland Security Department warns to watch out for small aircrafts. It describes Al Qaeda's continued interest in attacking the aviation sector. Now, there's a couple of things with this report. So first of all, really. 
I mean, please. But she keeps saying aircrafts. Which, aircraft. <laughs> but is it, isn't it? Isn't it just aircraft? No s. It, w- it would be aircraft. Because aircraft can, also is plural. Yeah, it is plural by saying aircraft. But you don't. Yeah, say, I have a I have a bunch of aircraft here. Yeah, but she keeps saying aircrafts. Well, who is? She's an idiot. What, yeah. <laughs> what, where did you get this? I think CNN. Yeah. A new terror warning. <laughs> Listen is out to tonight, it. It's as we irritating. The tenth anniversary of the September 11th attacks. I, she's probably reading verbatim from the FBI report. That's why. A five-page bulletin from the FBI and the Homeland Security Department warns to watch out for small aircrafts. It describes Al Qaeda's continued interest in attacking the aviation sector. It says operatives may try to get training on small aircrafts. No specific threat was issued. Many events are planned throughout western Washington ahead of the 10th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. She even says aircrafts. She doesn't even say... Yeah, she cr- says it twice. Aircrafts. But doesn't even put a T in there. Aircrafts. 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 <laughs> it's probably on the prompter that way. I'm telling you, it's A-I-R-C-R-A-F-S. Aircrafts. She's probably got the, uh, the Al Sharpton uh, prompter. I got my <laughs> aircrafts. Ugh. Anyway, be very afraid, everybody, of the aircraft. Squirrel! Aircrafts going to hurt you. So you want to take bets on what's going to happen on September 11th? No, because we, we both would say nothing. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. No. There, uh, let's see. There is some other uh, weird stuff going on. Um, the UN, and uh, I've been trying to follow this ever since Uncle Don said, I'm so sick of tired of this stupid Israel. I don't get it, which to me was a quite a big statement coming from him. Um, I've been paying attention. So there's two things happening. One is this uh, on September 27th. Um, it's Durban three. Now, have Yo. you, do you know what this is about? This Durban going to be there. It seems to me as though everyone's bailing out. Yeah, because if I understand correctly, Durban or Durban three is um, a celebration of the Durban Declaration and Program of Action, which essentially, if I understand it, this was from the 1980s, I think, maybe even earlier than that, the Durban Declaration said uh, there's only one racist country in the world, and that's Israel. <laughs> that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an anti-racist uh, yeah, it's an anti-racist that convention. He, basically, they're Jew haters. Yeah. <laughs> what is up with that? Yeah, I know. That's why most countries don't go to it, except Jew-hating countries. But then the, which I think is a lot. And yeah, then, oh, yeah. And then the, but then the UN comes out with this report about the flotilla attack uh, on the Turkish flotilla. And it's like, are they trying to, like, hand something over? I mean, I, I'm, I can't quite, fi- not that I need to figure out the United Nations, but it's kind of weird. Listen to this. Moment. Uh, John, presumably Israel feels vindicated about this, that there was no violation uh, of international law. But will they apologize? Well, all the suggestions are that they won't. There's been nothing official from the Israeli uh, government since this uh, report uh, was leaked. But I think you're right. Uh, there's probably some reason... Uh, for satisfaction within the Israeli government. I think that will be the line uh, that is pushed when they do speak because as you say, according to this report, uh, their blockade uh, is legal and they were right to act in self-defense having been violently uh, provoked. On the other hand, of course, it doesn't say much for the state of Israel-Turkey relations and when you have 
as Barbara was suggesting there, the prospect of uh, Turkey pushing for criminal proceedings uh, against some of the Israeli Navy commandos uh, on board, and you've got this report saying that the Israelis did act with excessive force, then I think it's a fairly rocky road ahead in terms of those relations. The only thing I could come up with is that this is somehow a setup for a, <clears throat> a Turkish false flag against Israel. Because I think that's, you know, we, Turkey's becoming a pain, and we've got to do something about them. I'm not going to disagree with the theory. Uh, Turkey is becoming a pain. And uh, they're also, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I, haven't, I have, I, I actually saw that exact same report. I didn't clip it because uh, I'm still, uh, I'm essentially ignoring the, the situation. Well, well, this, well, this is played up on democracy now, like it's the biggest news thing going. Right. Well, this is, this is what I don't understand. What, what is all this stuff about Israel? Why is it always such a big deal? I mean, yeah, there's lots of countries that have crap going on. I've never understood that. Please help me. Well, there's not much to understand. They have this bunch of people, the Palestinians, who essentially abandoned Israel to, to, so the Arabs could come in and kill all the Jews in 67 or whenever it was. And uh, the Jews fought, you know, the Israelis actually fought them back, beat them back, as it were, and then reclaimed their territory. And then the Palestinians came back saying, hey, we want our, we want, I got to move back into my house. Mm -hmm. And it's became an issue ever since. It's like, uh, they just, and it's not true with all of them, but there's enough Arab-oriented, uh, Saudi-oriented, uh, you know, there's a bunch of Jew haters in the Middle East, and they want Israel out. They think it shouldn't be there as a country. The whole thing is, it's been, it goes back to World War II. Well, I get before that. Before then. I get that, but why is it always so much in the news? Because there's a bunch of... Because there's a bunch of Jew haters in this country who are Palestinian, and I'm going to get a note for this. Oh I yeah, realize. that's why I'm that's why I'm dragging it out of you. This is hilarious. There's a bunch of Jew haters in this country, including a lot of Jews themselves. I might add, who uh, who bring, keep bringing this topic up, but it's all part of an anti-Semitic uh, agenda, as far as I'm concerned. And it's always usually left wingers. They support the Palestinian cause, whatever that is, because it's never been fully expressed, and. Uh, and it's just troublemakers, I mean, on a, on a different level. And I don't know how many of them listen to our show that are, you know, but I know the Democracy Now! audience is but probably 90% of these people. Yeah, but you still can't answer my question. Why my, is it always in the news? Yeah, why is it such a big deal all the time? I mean, there's lots of stuff going on in the world. I don't know. I mean, we've got the... I, I, like I said, I ignore it. Right. Let them take care of it themselves. I mean, it's like, it's regional. It's a regional issue. Well, I do know that the stuff is heating up because we have the U.N. that is going to recognize the Palestinian Authority. and uh, Well, that's dubious. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying. The Palestinian Authority, this is like recognizing California. I well, mean, Pal let's forget about that. Screw California. We shouldn't recognize them at all. They're going to recognize the Palestinian Authority as a country. And they're going to welcome them to the U.N. So they're going to be sitting... On one of the, of course, the UN. Who cares what they do at the UN? But you know, mm -hmm. they do have, they do get some attention. That Bunky <laughs> Moon guy is always all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Now he's over in Australia hanging out with that crazy woman. Oh, really? Well, it, it's all the, the evil elites, and I hate to say it because I know Uncle Don likes Bunky Moon. And I feel bad. 
He likes Monkey Moon? Well, apparently, uh, Aunt Meg likes him. He's like a nice guy. Well, sure he's a nice guy. Oh, I'm sure he is, too. With a name like Bunky. (laughs) How can you go wrong? Hey, Bunky, throw the ball, man. (laughs) Bunky, batter up, Bunky. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for kind of not explaining that. I didn't, because I can't explain it. Well, okay. No, I know, I know I'm, not the, I'm not the book of knowledge. Look it up on the Wikipedia. You'll get the explanation. Before we get into our donation segment for today, I wanted to make a suggestion to uh, all of our uh, listeners. Uh, and actually, I, I, I wrote a blog post about this. There's a, a, a paper that came out by a guy named Rolf Dobelli. And uh, it was written in 2010. I only just received a copy of it. It's called Avoid News Towards a Healthy News Diet. And it's, uh, what is this? It's like uh, 10 pages, yeah, 11 pages. Uh, it's a PDF. Now, I've actually done something for you. I've gone and I've highlighted uh, parts of this PDF that I thought were kind of relevant. And when you read this, it really helps you understand why people appreciate the No Agenda show. And his thesis essentially is uh, news is really not good for you. It makes you dumb. The actual news like headlines and the stuff that is passed off as news where really learning something and understanding the history of something takes a very long time, lots of analysis. And I kind of realized that that's a lot of what we do. We, we are on topics for years sometimes. And we don't know what we're talking about, but we just kind of prod along and plot along until we finally... Yeah, we deconstruct, 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 and uh, try to analyze and try to look for codes and look for information, secret information. And we try to... Uh, uh, look at the, the obvious bull crap. I mean, something that's just a lie that's so apparent, like the Hillary Clinton thing you did uh, earlier in the show. It's just, for some reason, people are not identifying these things quickly. So They have been so stupefied by, this, by the media. So this is even uh, more reason to support the No Agenda show and turn off your television. Number four in his list, news is toxic to your body. I'll uh, cite here, news constantly triggers the limbic system. Panicky stories spur the release of cascades of cortisol, which is glucorodicoid. This deregulates your immune system and inhibits the release of growth hormones. In other words, your body finds itself in a state of chronic stress. High cortisol levels cause impaired digestion, lack of growth, cell, hair, and bone, nervousness, and susceptibility to infections. News consumers risk impairing their physical health. The other potential side effects of news include fear, aggression, tunnel vision, and desensitization. And there you go, because take a look at Dana Perino, the former, uh, she's on the news all time. She's a midget. <laughs> she's very small, and, um, and, and the tip of my penis is desensitized when I look at her. So, but she's, you know, she's obviously, now there was a study done some years ago that this guy I probably didn't cite or maybe he did. Somebody did a study of, of TV network news and found that people who, the more you watched of it, the more you were likely to be depressed. That's kind of what he's saying with the, with that one, one uh, paragraph though. Because it's designed to keep you watching so you get advertising. Yes. It's not designed for, to really inform you. It's designed to scare the crap out of you so you keep you. Know, and next, the, the three things that will kill you that are in your coffee right after this. <laughs> yes, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, and then this one. The two dangers in your house you don't know about right after this. <laughs> don't go away. Uh, 
This one I, I mean, like. Why do you tease stuff like that? I mean, what is you know? That's the only reason is to get people to watch commercials because what what would be, if something's so important that it's going to kill you? Why do you make somebody watch a commercial before you tell them? From the uh, number it's twelve, responsible. From number twelve on the list, stories are selected or slanted to please advertisers or the owners of the media. And each media outlet has a tendency to report what everyone else is reporting and to avoid stories that will offend anyone. The public relations industry is as large as the news reporting industry. The best proof that journalists and news organizations can be manipulated or at least influenced or swayed. Corporations, interest groups, and other organizations would not expend such huge sums on PR if it didn't work. Duh! And then uh, the classic retainer for a for a mid sized corporation in Silicon Valley for a PR company that doesn't do anything 10, is thirty thousand thirty thousand dollars a month. So we paid ten thousand a month. Yeah, but then you see what you got. Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was mid coffee. Don't do that to me. <laughs> That's good. Anyone here heard of Mevio? Raise your hand. That's what ten grand a month gets you. Now, let's try 30. See what happens. Damn it. I knew something was wrong with the business plan. If only we had hired you sooner, John. And, uh, and just to wrap this up, I, do you remember fact checkers? Yeah. Yeah, they used to have them. <laughs> Those days are long over. They, the fact checker, last fact checker I ran into was probably around 1995. So apparently New Yorker magazine was legendary for its fact-checking. The story goes that when an article mentioned the Empire State Building, someone from the fact-checking department would go outside and visually verify that, in fact, the building was still standing. Have you ever heard that? That's yeah, that's a uh, that's a urban myth. It's bullcrap, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, we know it's bullcrap because New Yorker published that, uh, that Schmidl article about the Bin Laden raid. They've gone way, way off the reservation with that. So anyway, I guess the entire point is check this out. It's in the show notes at 336.nashownotes.com. It's a good read. Now, don't take everything as truth in this, but uh, consider what you're doing with your own news consumption and what really is news and what you should be consuming. And if you need to consume anything at all, except for this very program. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. And we'll have the funniest clip of the week right after this. (laughs) Three things that could kill you. (laughs) Edward Sheets in Brewerton, New York is not one of them. He uh, gave us one, two, three, four, five. Second, one, two, three, four, five. Stay loud and proud. He says, Sir Michael Miller came in from Tiburon, California with $111 with a happy birthday, Adam. Oh, how nice. Happy birthday, Adam. Happy birthday, Adam. Damien Taman in Perth, Western Australia, which is a place I've always wanted to visit. You've been there. I've been to Perth. It's very green. Yeah. It's very yeah, nice. See, I always get the impression. That's the thing that gets me about Perth. I just imagine it being desert. No, no, no. You you have to go through the desert to get there. But it's really, it's beautiful. It's lush and green. It's fantastic. Yeah, see, I just don't get that. I don't know. I got to go. Oh. My donation of $100 is to simply say thanks for the two of you not being douchebags. Uh. 
Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> it may not be entirely true. If further donations are needed to keep you both from becoming feminine hygiene products, please let me know. Yeah. Adios, mofos, says yeah, Damien. We do. We need a lot more donations. <laughs> yeah, a lot more. Uh, I'm Rebulon in Tustin, California is back again with 99.99. Last night, while we were driving back home listening to the latest show, we heard our three-year-old kid chanting the Dvorak.org slash NA theme. Play it. Yeah, I got it here. Uh, it was time to donate. Please send a D-douche plus a MILF combo to my wife, Maya, who took in humor my rant about her complaining that I spend her money on you. Okay, so this is going to be a quadruple shot because I'm going to do the first lineup of D-douching, Karma, and MILF, and then we've got a special edition. You've been D-douched. You've got Karma. That's one mother I'd like to And here's his three-year-old doing the MILF jingle. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's, you know... That would make anybody nuts. Child, child Protective Services is going to knock on someone's door eventually. For well, this luckily, stuff. he goes by the name Grebulin. He says, no agenda. No agenda is the best podcast in the world. <coughs> Dame Tanya from uh, New York, New York. Dame Tanya Wayman from Dame Tanya sending a birthday shout out to Mr. Adam Curry. Don't worry about the 47 or 50. You meet my man, in my opinion, older is better. All the best for many more happy, healthy years since she sent $69. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Dame Tanya. I met her. I hugged her. <laughs> it was well worth it. Did she hug back? Right. Robert Treckles in uh, Interlochen, Michigan. In the morning, John and Adam, I'm making my first donation in the amount of 5778 to reflect the birth year of myself and my daughter who turned me on to the show. Cool. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. I'm requesting a birthday shout-out to my daughter, Anastasia, and me, too. Interestingly enough, it's Anastasia's 33rd birthday, and inter equally interesting as well. We were both born on the same day, February 5th, exactly 21 years and 33 minutes apart. Yeah. I thought you might find this to be a fun thing, so please wish my wonderful daughter a very happy birthday and tell her I love her a lot. Please also send her a bunch of karma. Let me hit that for you right now. You've got karma. And he needs some karma, too. A self-employed office equipment service tech and a de-douching is an argument. Car You've been de-douched. You've got karma. All right. Anyway, that's Bob uh, Treckles. Brian Kissel in Gilderland, New York. Yeah, double nickels on the dime. Uh, karma to Ron Paul for 2012. Yeah, here you go, Dr. Ron. Go, run, run, run. You've got karma. Sir Howard Hill, Akron, Ohio, double nickels on the dime. Like to ask for some karma for my brother Brian. His family's been a rough summer for them, and they can use it. You've got karma. Joseph Gass in Wilmington, Delaware, double nickels on the dime. Shout out to BePositive.org, providing financial and emotional support for families of children with cancer and cancer research. Right on. Uh, hate so the cancer. BePositive.org. Check that out. Vivian Hingsburg in Burlington, Ontario. Dublin Lickles on the dime. Hello, gentlemen. I'm a $5 a month subscriber, uh, but my annual birthday present to myself is to throw a little extra your way. So she's gone from Aww. being a sponsor to a donor. That's very nice. So, Thank you. So here you go. Thanks for the best podcast ever. Vivian, female listener number two in Burlington, Ontario, Canada. P.S. Happy birthday, Adam. 
And hers is the next day. Yeah, I got, her, that on the, interesting? got her on the list. That's, That's right. today. Yeah, correct. She's on the list. Anastasia Treckles, Highland, Indiana. We have another Treckles. Uh, 5433. Uh, this 5433 donation commemorates three things. One, of course, your awesome show. Most of my news comes from you guys now, and uh, you have taught me how to question everything. Good. My wonderful dad's birthday is on September 5th, Labor Day, uh, Unemployment Day, and I'd love to give him a happy birthday shout-out. My magic number is 33. Birthday is on this very same day since I work in public relations. My dad owns his business, and this, again, is OutputBusiness.com, and they both need some karma. Thanks for the shout-out. You've got karma. So does it seem like they, they, they both donated then? I don't know, but Stacy. Yeah, they, and Bob. yeah, they congratulated each other. That's very yeah. nice. It, That's you know, what it looks like. It's how families get into this. This is I like that. That's very nice. It's a family thing. It's a and family then we have uh, Scott Hankel in Sunland, California, fifty three thirty three. Andrew Haverson, Christopher Lawton, Crafty Man Eights, and uh, also, uh, and that's it. And Crafty Man Eights in Oakland, by the way, and Christopher's in Dartmouth. Andrew Haverson in Gravenhurst, and Scott in Sunland. Uh, those are all fifty dollars, with the exception of Scott, which is fifty three thirty three, and that's all we got for this week's uh, No Agenda Show. We want to m- mention to people they can go to noagendashow dot com and check the box that says donations. Go to dvorak dot org slash na or channeldvorak dot com slash na if you can't get to the other website, and also noagendanation dot com, which has some mugs and t-shirts and miscellaneous things but also has a donation page that goes straight to us and of course all of our five dollar a month uh, supporters eleven dollar eleven cents those are all that's very important actually um that that is what carried us over because we get all the uh, the monthly uh, donations in at the beginning of the month but otherwise it would have been quite sad Uh, regardless of that we are very very uh, proud to be associated with those of you who are producers and helping us out here of the living a life of just getting by and of our poverty uh, in addition to that, um, let me program your brain. Dvorak.org slash N-A. You know it works on the three-year-olds. Unfortunately, they don't, they don't control the purse yet. <laughs> they don't <laughs> take the money out of your mom's purse. <laughs> it's your birthday, birthday. Go to the PayPal. Okay, Robert Trickles, uh, he is 54, and his daughter, Anastasia, is 33 today. Both born, uh, actually, is uh, uh, they say September 5th. Interesting. <clears throat> so they'll be tomorrow, that is. Vivian Hinsberg, her birthday is today. Anastasia Treckles, of course, she uh, turns it around and says uh, happy birthday to Dad Robert. It's his 54th tomorrow on the 5th. And Sir Michael Miller, Dame Tanya Wyman, and Baron, Baron von Pelsmachers were all very kind to uh, congratulate me with my 47th birthday. Kind of a non-event, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was actually quite nice. The kids came by and cooked for me. For, uh, for my birthday. What kids? Uh, my daughter and her boyfriend, Juan. He made Porn? Like, is his name Porn? <laughs> his name is Porn. That was Juan. Porn. <laughs> Although, unfortunately, from now on, his name will be Porn. He hey, listen, Porn, he, how you doing? He listens to the show. Okay, man. He listens I'm to doing pretty good today, <laughs> man. Porn. <laughs> Ah, uh, no, it was nice. It really was. They uh, and uh, me, they did a whole Mexican theme with piñatas. What is the deal with piñatas? What is hey, the, man, the, we got a piñata, man. It's very violent. It's a violent yeah, thing. It is. It's yeah. the Mexican way. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand why do you like try to mess up a a, a donkey? 
<laughs> with a stick. I don't know. And uh, Miss Mickey gave me uh, the gift that keeps on giving. She gave me uh, a uh, pot full of pepper plants. If, a what? Pot? A she pot, gave you a pot? <laughs> a pot full of pepper plants. Oh. Filled with a variety of peppers, which I oh, now grow. Nice. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's great. Oh, and I'm like, you know, I'm like big guy. Like, oh, I'll just eat this five thousand lumen one here. Don't worry about that. Watch me pop it in my mouth. That, you did that. It's probably a Thai pepper. Yeah, no, it, the, the Thai pepper's not even that hot. It's the little ones, the little itty bitty ones. The little bitty bitty ones are the Thai peppers. Is this no, a pointy the, one or the, is no, it the, the round? Th- one? The Thai peppers are the kind of long pointy ones that are tiny. They're short pointy ones. These are like little buds. Yeah, these are the. That's a Thai pepper. I think it's called something else. Don't make me go outside and look. Just well, trust I don't me. Care what not, you call it? Yeah, it's hot advertising, but it's not as hot as the little round uh, Scotch bonnets. That's what I'm talking about. The little round thingies, the little oh, it's ones. A Scotch bonnet. You don't put those in your mouth. You got to be nuts. Yeah. Well, I I've learned this. This is not a good idea. It's and a blister. And Miss Mickey tricked me yesterday. Uh, she took me out for uh, lunch. Well, oh, I thought it was something to do with the popcorn. <laughs> the oysters. Uh, now, she took me out for lunch, and uh, and then once I saw we were going to lunch, I knew that I was in for it. Uh, she got me a new pair of Uggs. New pair of what? Uggs. Uggs. Uh. Yeah, Uggs. I live in my Uggs. You know that. So the old Uggs are now officially retired. Aren't those the, the shoes with fur around them or something? Yeah. Yeah, they they were no. It's what's, you actually walk in the around in public wearing those sometimes. Wow, you got more guts than I do. Oh, excuse me, Mister Crocs. You kidding me? Those Crocs. That's, that's the thing that takes guts to wear. I don't have Crocs. Those are those are speedos. <laughs> yeah, it's the upmarket Croc. Whatever. It's horrible, and you wear them with gray wool socks. I'm good <laughs> on my case about my uh, Uggs, man. This is stop that. Oh. Get your blade out. We've Get got my off. Yeah, we've got a knighting today. A good guy, big supporter of the show, a real friend, and he has uh, been donating uh, for a long time and finally made it, which proves that you two can do it. So, David Cost, stick out your finger and kneel as we hereby proudly pronounce thee, Sir David Cost, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. I believe he's a black knight as well. Please, sir, enjoy your helping of hookers and blow, rent boys and Chardonnay, and booze and hot pants. The ring is on its way to you. Dave Cost. He, you know, this is cool. I like it when guys. Yeah, he took a long time, years. He's been, uh, uh, he's, he's been doing like five dollar a month. I think eleven eleven, and then he uh, didn't he just finish it off with like a two hundred dollar donation. Like it's great. I really appreciate that, Dave. That's very cool, man. It's very very awesome. Uh, we're into the second half of the show, and uh, of course, this is, I do have some second half of the show stuff, but uh, it is a Sunday show, and that means. John's gonna hum the Sunday times. Yeah. I got both the Saturday and Sunday here because this is the Saturday's got the key uh, story, which is the files note closed CIA ties. Well, hold on a second. Well, hold on a second. John's gonna hum the Saturday. That was it, by the way. Oh, that was it? (laughs) So the stories you want to look at on the times for the codes are the upper right-hand corner stories. In the case of the Saturday paper, it's the zero job growth story. Mm. But in the case of the Sunday paper, which is something we already discussed slightly on the show, which is, in other words, this is the key story for news outlets. They'll all be picking it up. So this week will be the week for 
uh, U.S. is appealing to Palestinians to stall U.N. vote. Right. This is about to avoid a veto. Oh. Because the U.S. is going to veto that if it happens, but they don't want to. So they're going to try to say, look, don't embarrass us. We'll take is that, care of is that Susan Rice then who, who calls that veto? She would be the one, yeah. She mm. would say she'd veto in the... See, the thing is, I don't think she actually is on board with that. I've looked... No, she probably not, but I think that the powers that be are... They don't want this to... This is going to cause nothing, but... See, here's the deal. You got a 2012 election coming up. You, you're not going to let the Palestinians have a seat at the UN because Obama is going to lose a huge portion of the American Jewish voter who is going to you know, start questioning his every action, and they can't let you, whatever Susan Rice thinks, or even what Obama thinks. They're not going to let this happen. Okay. And that story is in the key, that's the key position on the Sunday Times for, for the stories that will be covered by everyone else. Now, there's another piece of code here that, that I'm, uh, I don't know what it means. I'm just saying, I've, we've observed this before, and I'm, now I'm going to point it out again. Let me read you the headline on the, on the story below the fold, and you tell me what's weird about it. Soldier, thinker, hunter, spy, drawing a bead on Al-Qaeda. It's soldier, thinker, hunter, spy. I've got some bird poop in my eye. Sounds like a a, a kiddie's riddle. No. When in the last months or so did the New York Times ever use the term Al-Qaeda instead of Qaeda? Oh, no. It's it's only Qaeda. This one says Al-Qaeda. Hmm. So I have to assume that that means, I don't know what it means. <laughs> it means something. It means something because they use Qaeda, 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 and now they use Al-Qaeda. Now let me say, point out something to you. I've written for the New York Times. Uh, I've done a couple pieces for them, and I've, and I've, over the years, and I think some online, I think I did an online piece too, but when you write anything for the New York Times, it's, it's, it's the most painful experience you've ever had. And the writers are all used to it, the ones that work there all the time. You go to an editor, and the editor basically looks up every word and every placement to make sure that it's kosher. And they, they do a database check. There's nothing that goes on the, in the New York Times that isn't carefully uh, orchestrated by the editors. So right. when, they, when they go from... Qaeda to Al-Qaeda, that's a big deal, right? Yeah, it's a big deal, and uh, the question is, I don't know why, but I'm going to definitely keep an eye well, on that. I bet, you, I bet you, John, that there's someone inside the Times organization who listens to this show. I mean, we have people inside the Pentagon, so why not inside the New York Times? I'm sure that the Hummer, Hummer is not listening. I think it's Hummer. Hummer. She's uh, not listening, I no, can guarantee it. no. Uh, but there is someone inside the New York Times organization who can give us the rules on Qaeda slash Al Qaeda, so at least we can use it appropriately on our on our program. I don't think they're going to know. I mean, what? Why well, the they editors will know. The editors. I bet you there's something in this story that's code for something that would. You know, I'll read the story over and see if I can extract it. But that's basically the New York Times. Report I, I love, by the story. way, how how you said to see if any word is kosher. And immediately someone in the chat room says, oh, more anti-Semitism on no agenda. Douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Give a douchebag call out. Yeah, douchebag. Douchebag. Who was that? All right. Who was that? So that's my report, and I'm sticking to it. That's your entire report. Oh, my goodness. Keep it short. John's gonna hum the Sunday times. Well, uh... Do you want uh, funny or crackpot first? Which one do you want? 
Well, if you're going to do funny, I got. Um, let me start my with my funny. No, what do you mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't do like the Sunday Times. You do the Sunday Times. I do second half of the show. Kick off with. It's not. I'm not going to do funny. I got funny. Uh, I don't want funny. Okay, you give me what you got, and then I'll go to funny. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, on the last program, I talked about the uh, government worker in Alaska who was getting the hell out because of possible atmospheric uh, weirdness going on. I don't want to say too much, but the next day, there's like a, a 7.0 earthquake in Alaska. Okay, so that's one. Well, there's nothing un- unusual about that. Before an earthquake, there's always a lot of piezoelectric activity that creates atmospheric weirdness. Yeah, but the guy got out because he was told to get out. He was told to get out? Yeah, I told you, the government chiller went to Colorado. You don't even remember the last show. I do me. remember, but I don't remember being told to get out. Yes, he was told to get out. All right, well, anyway, okay, somebody knew something. Um, El Hierro. This is uh, this is the thing that's a little bit disturbing. Now, this is a a long-standing, uh, I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but people have always talked about this big chunk of the Canary Islands breaking off and that that could then create a 100-foot tsunami and essentially swamp the east coast of the United States. You've heard this, I'm sure. Uh, yes, I have. I've heard it a number of times, and they keep threatening us with it well what's interesting is that, now this did actually apparently happen 50,000 years ago I'm sure the New York Times reported on it at the time um, but there is increased earthquake activity 4,200 minor earthquakes at uh, El Golfo El Hierro in the Can- Canary Islands in the past five weeks alone uh, this was uh, enough for the uh, Civil Protection Emergency Volcanic Risk Committee to meet uh, on the 22nd of July, the 29th of July, and they've met several times in August now. Uh, so this is, and you know, let's, let's face it, we had have some weird earthquakes recently. Add to that, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how how this happened or what the deal is, but apparently, uh, 35,000 euros worth of uh, seismic detection equipment was stolen in Tenerife that is measuring some of these uh, Cumbre Viejo vol- volcanic uh, activity, uh, which I just, you know, it's just one of those little, it's not a big deal, but just like one of those little irritating things. Like, really? So it's, it's all heating up, and then all of a sudden someone steals this thing. Add to that the uh, West Virginia uh, Department of Homeland Security exercise of huge displacement of persons from the east coast to west virginia Ah, this is where this stems from i'm thinking well there there could be something to it now i'm putting you down for a prediction okay unfortunately unfortunately uh i'm pretty convinced that this is not at all natural occurrence i'm not even going to take you to the harp place and what turned me on to this now, you know we have September 11th, the big 10th anniversary coming up. Yay! 10th anniversary. Let's go serve. Serve.gov, everybody. Um, and and I have stayed away from 9-11 stuff. You know, I'm a member of pilotsfortruth.org because I, I know that, you know, the, the data that was given was uh, false and probably uh, corrupted from the black boxes. Regardless of all that. I've stayed away because, you know, that stuff can suck you in so deep. And uh, essentially, I've become a, a blithering idiot, and I just become crazy. And a lot of people have this. And you got to be very careful with this 9-11 stuff because, of course, the lies were so big. 
And I went back and uh, I went to look at my favorite website of Dr. Judy Wood, drjudywood.com. And unfortunately, a lot of the YouTube videos that she had on that site have all been uh, removed because the account has been terminated or, you know, take down from uh, multiple uh, violations of copyright. And so I start looking into, again, what I still believe, who is almost irrelevant, but what uh, took down the towers on 9-11. I'm still thinking that this was a uh, directed energy weapon, i.e. a scalar attack, S-C-A-L-A-R weapon. And um, these scalar weapons, as we know, there's all, there's, Definite, definite uh, conversation within the government about the use of weapons that can change weather and uh, and cause earthquakes. So this bubble over China, that thing was <laughs> stop it, man. The, that bubble over China that we have the video of that weird bubble that everyone was laughing. Yeah, oh, that's me. You know what that is? That's a Tesla dome. Because the Chinese, we are absolutely at war with the Chinese, and we are causing earthquakes on each other's turf. And the Tesla Dome, if you you Google Tesla Dome, you'll see that that is exactly what that bubble looked like. So you have the scalar weapons, which literally can just fry stuff, turn it into dust, uh, and you have the domes, which can protect you against that. And unfortunately... I think the slaves are going to be uh, uh, the victim of all of this, and we can look forward to probably some kind of event happening. I think this Canary Islands thing, I think it just really may happen. It would be a perfect place for it to, for it to happen because uh, it, it goes, and then it will probably take a day or two before the tsunami hit the East yeah, Coast of the United States. Yeah, there's a lot of good news coverage, a lot of ads to be sold. Hell yeah, and you can get everyone off to West Virginia. And you can move, you had plenty of time to move the entire city of Manhattan. And guess what? City. Guess what? It won't wipe out the city. It'll. It, I mean, it'll get wet and everything, and stuff will be ruined, and it'll suck. But people, everyone can get out. It's going to be. It's going to be an advertising bonanza. What do you think? Well, I mean, if anything happens to that Canary Islands, uh, that phenomenon that has been described in great detail, and I guess geologists have proven that if this this this, this shelf, it's a shelf, yeah, it's a shelf collapses into yeah. the ocean, it will lift a one hundred foot high a wave that will travel across the entire Pacific or Atlantic Ocean, which will cause a suck back. That'll be remarkable. By the yeah. way, you can run out and grab all kinds of shells and stuff before. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, John, look at this shell. This is awesome. <laughs> shell. I mean, you can find a couple mobsters and probably some body. a lot of things. <laughs> you should be in a chopper because you're going to have to get up out of the air into the air real fast. With but, my shells. Uh, I got my shells. Let's take off. Yeah. And sh- shoot up. And then this thing, this 100-footer comes barreling in, which will take out. All the uh, you know, Atlantic City uh, will be gone. Well, it won't take and- it out. No, no. See, this is where I disagree. I think it's going it, that they've probably done the calculations, and it will be a tsunami. But it won't be like devastating, like buildings won't. It's not going to be like the movies. Oh, it has to be if it if it hits Atlantic City. Some of these coastal big towns right on the coast. There's there's no chance that they're gonna. I mean, yeah, the cement buildings will be there, but it's going to wipe out all the structures, the wooden shit. And by the way, Atlantic City needs that. Yeah, totally. Have you ever been there? This place is a hell It's a crap hole. Anyway, to prove my theory and to prove that the advertising is on its way, 
And this all, of course, has to do with the scalar weapons wars and with the moon bases. Here's our first advertiser. Oh, an announcement made today by the Japanese arm of Domino's Pizza boldly declared their intention of building the Milky Way's first pizzeria on the moon. Tomohide Matsunaga, a spokesman from the company, told the London Daily Telegraph that because they anticipate a large population of astronauts living and working on the moon in the very near future, they started to seriously consider the project last year and have come to the point where they are now deciding on when the galactic pizza parlor may actually see the light side of the moon. There you go. Domino's Pizza on the moon. You call me crazy. We'll see it in our lifetime. It's it's. They're just going to back it into like... Man, everyone's on to us. You know, it's like, well, I wonder if the pizza would be any better made in a low-gravity environment. I doubt it. I think it will be the same. But if, if they throw it up, they can't be throwing it up in the air. You can't toss it. Because then it, like, it would go way <laughs> up. It sticks to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I didn't hear you protest too much about my, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, my earthquake uh, theory there. What earthquake theory? Uh, of the Canary Islands. I did. I was playing the music. I was playing. Okay. Links in the I show put it notes. down in the book. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, there's always going to be an earthquake here and there, and the Canary Islands are due overdue for a quake. I don't know where that shelf's going to fall like they planned. I mean, there's one that can happen on in Lake Tahoe that'll just swamp the whole other side. Then the North Shore will swamp the South Shore. But you know, I we'll see. But it's okay. You know, I like your connection to the West Virginia uh, activity is, is kind of unique. I have to give you 10 points for coming well, up you, with it. Well, you, you tell me what it's for then. I mean, I, I really wouldn't know otherwise. I don't know. And by the I way, I get what it's for. And by the way, uh, when you're looking at uh, Dr. Judy Wood's website, make sure you look at Hurricane. Um, it was Helen, I think. Was it Helen? I don't know. On 9-11 okay. itself, there's pictures. There's pictures oh, the, of the hurricane that was out in the middle of nowhere during 9-11. Yeah. I, I'm in the middle of nowhere right off the right off the New York coastline. Yeah. yeah. And then I got I diverted. You brought this up before. And also have a look at the at the cars like miles away that look, were flipped over The only thing I'm going to say about out. that whole thing is, I, I, not get, I, like you said, I think it's stupid to get into that discussion. But World Trade Center 7 still needs an explanation. I wish I had the jingle. I'll do Ugh, it. I just set you up for it. WTC7 won't go away. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. It's like, because I, yeah, I told you, I, I kind of deleted everything from my uh, from my cache because, you know, you can't have a relationship with someone if if you're uh, if you're into the whole, uh, if you just stay on the, the World Trade Center stuff, you, you'll, you'll, you'll crap your pants. And again, it's not about who did it? It's about what happened. Like, where did where did those buildings actually go? All right. So, uh, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I got a couple of things here. First of all, let's change the topic by playing a little humor. I found a, a, there used to be a series that the Disney folks put on called Zorro, and then there was a cheap version that came out a few years later, and I think this may have been one of Jesse Ventura's early acting jobs, if not his first and I, this clip is called Bad Acting with Jesse Ventura, and you can see how compelling this show was. It was obviously canceled quickly. I never had much school and sure wish I could read. My mama wrote this. She was dying. It says my father was a hero, that he would stand up to any man, and that he was killed by a pirate they called Big Jim Jarrett. Your mother told you that? Was her name... Bonafethia? How... 
How did you know that? I knew your mother. That's a lie. She hated pirates. That's why she ran away. And she took my boy with her. A little boy she named Peppy. My name is not Jared. Your mother changed your name so that you wouldn't grow up and be like me. At what point am I going to love this? <laughs> I'm waiting for this. This is, a way, this is a minute of my life I'll never get back. No, Here's my favorite line. 51 the kid, seconds. He says, your name Peppy, and the kid says, my name is not Jared. The kid couldn't even, they couldn't even, this is a cheap production. They couldn't even stop it and say, hey, kid, you got the wrong line there. <laughs> Why do you why do you hurt me with this? Uh, okay, well let's go let's go to something a little more interesting. Please. So I have uh, th- this is the most amazing douchebaggery I've ever seen, and it just I lost all respect. Well, I never had that much to begin with for the McLaughlin report. And let me begin by playing. You have the additional clip that came in separately. I want to play that. You have to tell me what it's called because I just put it into the bin. I don't know. Uh, I don't something know what about it's the called. Simpsons. It's got the oh, Simpsons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got this it. This is a clip from the Simpsons, which kind of mocks the concept. Uh, well, just play the clip and we'll. we'll oh, the McLaughlin Group? Is that what McLaughlin? You said report, but you mean McLaughlin Group? Yeah, McGra- McLaughlin Group. That's, That's a- the McLaughlin douchebags, which follows the Simpsons clip. We'll right. Play the Simpsons clip. We'll talk. Ah, not a bear in sight. The bear patrol must be working like a charm. That's specious reasoning, Dad. Thank you, honey. By your logic, I could claim that this rock keeps tigers away. Oh, how does it work? It doesn't work. Uh-huh. It's just a stupid rock. Uh-huh. But I don't see any tigers around here, do you? Pizza, I want to buy your rock. Uh... Okay, so that's basically saying that just because something doesn't happen, oh, okay. you can't attribute it to something else. <laughs> right. In other words, it's that that was a, a a piece from an old Simpsons show that foretold the TSA. The TSA's existence doesn't mean right. anything. Right. Just because but, the TSA is there doesn't mean that uh, it's actually thwarted any uh, terrorist or done attacks. Anything. Right. But, so right. so play the the McLaughlin douchebags clip. So greater discretion on the part of the TSA employees, employees does not mean lesser security at the, at the, at the point of where they do it. I would hope not, but it's a question of their training. Exit question. On a security success scale, 0 to 10, rate the effectiveness of the TSA <laughs> 0 to 10. It gets close to 9 or 10, John, for the no, simple reason that Buchanan. it's been 10 years since 9-11, and they haven't taken down a single airliner, and we had the <laughs> underwear bomber and the shoe bomber and a lot of these, maybe some other folks who tried it. And yeah, the- I think for a much maligned agency, yeah. let's give it high marks. Perfection is the goal, but uh, that's not reality. You want to go all the way? You want to give them a 10? Well, he said, I'll give them a 9.2. There's always room <laughs> for improvement. Mm-hmm. Good, good with those decimal points. They've caught zero terrorists. They didn't stop the two bomber. They didn't stop the undie bomber. And they might even make us less safe because more people end up driving because they don't want to be, uh, I guess, caressed maybe is the right word so, at the airport. Driving is less safe than flying. I'll so give them a three. So they're going to they're take the, the, the blame mm-hmm. for highway deaths? If, if they're driving people there, then they're not even saving lives. You've got to give them a very high rating. I'd give them nine plus because we <sighs> have not had... A terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most, that's the standard. That's the only standard. Mm-hmm. I think in those two instances of uh, the underwear bomber and the, uh, what's bomber. the 
the shoe bomber. bomber. They did they not originate in the United overseas. States. Overseas, they didn't yeah. have the benefit of the TSA right. screen. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? You're, you're right. And so the fact of the matter is we can stop terrorist attacks without the TSA. And there's no evidence the TSA has prevented any of these attacks. You're a very severe marker. The TSA deserves a 10 because nothing has happened. Issue two. Uh, so hold on a second. Uh, forgive me if I'm incorrect, but is this not uh, our national treasure, our public broadcast system that uh, emanates this crap? Yeah. It's public television, right? Yeah, yeah. This is PBS, actually. Nine, Eleanor, really? Eleanor, you should fall over in a pile of horse poop. Nine point. And there was also the, the guy from the, 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 the rich guy who's like... Blake, Blakely? No, no, not Blakely. He hasn't been on the show for years. That other yeah. Mortimer, whatever his name yeah, is, who, yeah. who got taken to the cleaners by Madoff, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was uh, given it a 10. Uh, the, the, one, the, new, the one guy who wasn't was that it was a young kid from the Washington Examiner who will never be on again. I yeah, it's like, hey, thanks for coming. That was really great. We'll call you, okay? Yeah, yeah because he yeah. wasn't on board with the program uh. of giving these douchebags 10 points for doing nothing. And I mean, it just—it just was stunning to me that this kind of logic is being foiled. These are people that are that are should be in a leadership position in terms of creating or ha- getting people to to establish a certain kind of public opinion, and to just have to, to encourage this lockstep. Whatever this government says is okay. Let's do what they tell us to do. Slave mentality is irresponsible, and it just made me sick to hear that segment. Well, they all take private jets. They don't give a crap. Which is, yeah, actually, <laughs> they don't the actually guy know was what called on that the one guy. Oh, really? In in the yeah. program? Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, funny. the rich guy. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> well, that's good. And thank you for uh, pre-producing that with the Lisa Simpson. Now, with the, you put some work into that. Yeah, actually, JC came up. With that. <laughs> you put the kids to work, didn't you? You're horrible, man. So, um, I have another. You want to hear another? Let, thing let me that let me me. Let me slip one in, and uh, and then we'll. Hey, let me slip one in, John. Um, something really weird this is a two-parter. Uh, it's on CNN, and this was a report that was apparently commissioned by Obama. And I, I didn't quite, I was like, why is this on television? Why is CNN reporting on this? I couldn't figure it out until the very end after the interview of some woman who was in charge of the report. And it's a, hor- it's a horrible thing. Well, yeah, listen to the setup, and then uh, I think I can pay it off for you. I want to go beyond the headlines. This is a very disturbing story, but it happened. Scientists working for the U.S. government secretly gave people sexually transmitted diseases as part of a study. It happened during the 1940s after World War II. At least 5,500 people in Guatemala, including prisoners, mental patients, and children, were experimented on. 1,300 of those were exposed to, exposed to STDs, including syphilis and gonorrhea. 83 people died during those experiments. And the goal of the research was to determine whether taking penicillin after sex would protect against those sexually transmitted diseases. It was a medical priority at the time, especially in the military. Well, last fall, President Obama ordered a review of what happened. And now that panel has come out with this report. So then they, uh, she talks to the woman uh, who was uh, kind of milfy in a way. Uh, but despite that, it was like, I don't want to play that for you. And it's, it's really disgusting. Uh, you know, they injected people in their eyes with syphilis and all kinds of horrible things. And this, in a way, relates, and they, they actually tie it into the Tuskegee Airmen, if you remember that, John? Yeah, that was the this, uh, this Tuske, 
Tuskegee. I can't even say it. It's Tuskegee, isn't it? Tuskegee. Tuskegee, Tuskegee uh, syphilis Air. study was 1932. Well, they claim that wasn't a study. They claim that they uh, that they had that these guys had syphilis and they didn't give them anything uh, to help them. But anyway, right. Well, that wasn't much of a study. But beside no, besides all this, I'm like, why is it? Why are they talking about this? I mean, there's got to be a reason. We know that everything on television is to usually sell commercials. Right, and this particular one, uh, I this actually happened over a week ago, and it was something that I thought about using in a couple of shows ago, but I couldn't come up with anything interesting. Well, uh, I did look do I did look up a number of websites, and you can people can Google this themselves, which is you know U.S. government experiments on public would be the Google term, and you'll find a bunch of links. So nothing, but this goes on constantly. So I think I, I the the host, this dumb woman. I forget her name, but she's so dumb. I think she screwed up in the script. She she knows why she's doing it. I mean, she's she's dumb, but she's she's on the inside because otherwise, yeah, she, she, you know, she had to interview someone, so she had to be given some kind of briefing as to why this is being shown on television. Listen to what she says at the very end of this interview, and I think that's our answer. They took pains. They knew that they did have to ethically and legally obtain a. Uh, informed consent, and yet they went to Guatemala and they didn't do so. All right, Professor, very disturbing information. Thank you for bringing it to us. And obviously, this panel uh, meant to prevent this kind of thing from from happening again uh, by exposing the ugliness of history and what our government has been capable of doing to make sure that that uh, really never comes to light is uh, in our, in the future. Thanks again, Professor. Ah, to make sure it never comes to light again in the future. Am I hearing this wrong, or is she basically saying, let's put this report out out here now so that we can be, all be sorry, but that it never comes to light again in the future, whatever we're doing now. It never comes to light again. In other words, we still do it, but it never comes to light again. Let's listen. By exposing the ugliness of history and what our government has been capable of doing to make sure that that uh, really never comes to light is, uh, in, our, in the future. Thanks again, Professor. I don't know. To me, it sounded like uh, that was. It, this is part of a like a make sure we never have to talk about it again thing. Yeah, and ne- 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 we don't know. In other words, we still do it. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't talk about it. No, because we're done. We said we're sorry to the Guatemalans, and we're done. I mean, we had to. Re- I'm looking at one of these websites that shows all these sorts of things. And in 1995, for example, uh, apparently uh, the. Uh, Biological and chemical agents used in, during the Gulf War had been manufactured in Houston, Texas, and tested on prisoners in the Texas Department of Corrections. That's a, another good one. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of these. We, we, this is common. The, the public is just seen as a bunch of, you know, stooges that can be, you can, Guinea you know, pigs. do whatever you want to. Guinea pigs. Which brings us to... Uh, uh, an interesting... Uh, there's a station in New York, WPIX... And they have Channel a, 11. Channel 11. And they have a segment. It's a good segment to a point, but it's called the, the, the segment. Is a, it's a little op-ed, but, it, but it's, it, it's a demeaning op-ed called The First Amendment Nut. <laughs> is that my cue? No, <laughs> uh, it's not your cue. I'll just explain it. The First Amendment Nut is a guy who's named Lionel. And he uh, goes on a rant about some First Amendment issues, and, he, and it's, it just trivializes the problem. In fact, this particular uh, episode of the First Amendment nut 
which, by the way, I, I kept the clip long because at the end, they mock the whole scene. This is about uh, shooting police in public with your camcorder or your camera right. or your phone. Right. And the woman that's the, the anchor, who's a total douchebag, comes around behind him and starts filming him as some sort of a joke. Oh, that's so hilarious. And uh, he, he goes on a ramp. But there's two things that crop up in here that are good information. One is that you can legally film police at work. And the second thing is, is that apparently this this case law here, people should be paying attention to, actually does say that a citizen is a journalist. And but but play the First Amendment nut going on and on. It's a little long, but it's it's worth listening to because there's good information. But the fact that they play it as a nut, yeah, you guys, you guys for the First Amendment, he must be a nut. Oh, it's Friday, and you know what that means? Howard is giving away money, and it wasn't hard to no, find no, people no. this week. No, no, got the wrong clip. No, it's Lionel, w- the First Amendment nut. Oh, I'm sorry. Clip. You you set me up with WPIX. Here we go. <laughs> hey, hold on a second. Is Jeff Smith moonlighting? Is he doing Maybe. is he doing jingles for well, nah, power to him. Last week, the Federal First Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of the First Amendment in a huge case. Here's what happened. Simon Glick, a Boston lawyer, was arrested in 2007 for using his cell phone video camera to record a man who was being beaten by Boston cops. Bystanders were heard shouting, you're hurting him. Glick never interfered or obstructed the police in any way. He was 10 feet away and merely recorded what was occurring in open view before the world. Well, the Boston cops said, oh, no, you don't, and they arrested him. For what, you ask? Oh, these guys are imaginative. They charged him with violating a wiretap statute that prohibits secret recording, even though they admitted there was nothing secret about it. Wait, there's more. They also charged him with aiding the escape of a prisoner and, of course, the when-all-else-fails charge, disturbing the peace. Oh, and what would normally be called destroying evidence if done by you or me, the cops erased all but one snippet of the recording. Now, the trial court threw out the charges, so Glick filed a federal civil rights lawsuit. The First Circuit held the filming of police carrying out their taxpayer-funded duties is a fundamental and self-evident right. And that right doesn't extend to the professional press alone. The court held that with the advances in cell phone and digital video recording, many images of critical events come from bystanders and not necessarily the professional credentialed media with a press pass. Oh, these are new Uh times, Jethro. The court made it clear that the ancient and hoary distinctions between the reporter and the citizen have been washed away by the Hurricane Irene of progress. This case also speaks to another issue. An issue of attitude. Some cops, not all, but some cops have developed an an arrogance and hubris that are being fed by a new trend to militarize officer-friendly. Some cops are being schooled in the delusion that you and I are the enemy and they need to be re-educated. We need to remind them that they work for us. We pay them and empower them to enforce the laws that we enact. We are the repository of power. The Constitution is a limitation on government, not a limitation on us. It is fundamental and axiomatic that we, as citizens and taxpayers, are the boss. And so long as we don't ever interfere with or endanger cops by obstructing or opposing them, we have an absolute and unfettered right to monitor everything they do in our name and under the color of authority that we grant them. I can't say this enough. They 
work for us. Comet, as you see fit. What the hell is this? <laughs> this is legal in New York. I'm protected, I think. That's true. <laughs> and I'll bet you your little friends on Twitter are going to be commenting about this. And by the way, I know what they're writing about me. Oh, I know. And you know who you are. I thought we buried the hatchet, Jody. I thought we did. But apparently, we've dug up the hatchet. Well, some people could unfollow each other if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So they take a good topic. And make it and, and make it Make stupid. it car- uh, yeah. clownish. Yeah. To trivialize it. And it's just, it's unbelievable to me. But, you know, what can I say? It's I, WPA. I, I, I've been thinking about all this, John. And I'm thinking, it's time for some action. I'm thinking I should run for president in 2016. <laughs> I mean, we know we know Obama's going to get reelected. That's that's pretty obvious because well, there it seems that both parties are fighting their best to, to lose. Right? But, no, uh, no one wants to be. I mean, but why could I mean? Would you be my VP? Yeah, sure. Would you be my Cheney? I'd be a Cheney. Are you Cheney? But is there uh, is it hard? Do I can I, do I all I have to do is just announce, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have to do you, much. You got plenty of time to research. But I'm thinking 2000. But I'm serious about this. Why not? I'm just kooky enough to get attention. Yeah, you might get some attention. Yeah. Former <laughs> former MTV VJ running for president. <laughs> what has the world come to, Lois? So, uh, just on while well, we're still on the topic of WPIX, I only have a piece of the of a thing, the segment they do, which I think is just it's just an eye roller. They have a uh, a, a the, one of the guys, the reporters on Fridays, goes out with a bunch of pot full of cash and hands out money to people who are either broke or and they do it in such a pathetic way. Instead, you know, this is the old you know, give your money away and then make a big deal about it. Uh, it's, I don't know if you find it sick, uh, or, or, or generous. I don't know what your attitude is, but I think it's an exploitive, uh, segment and you can play it if you want the WPIX douchebag. Oh, it's Friday. And you know what that means? Howard is giving away money and it wasn't hard to find people this week who could really use some extra cash to help get their lives back in order. Let me help you. You got it? I got it. You got okay. All right. Okay. That's the owner of that building that was flooded out there. How you doing? Uh, I'm in Patterson, New Jersey, on Governor Street and uh, Patterson Street. It's Feel Good Friday. This area has really been hit by Hurricane Irene. Flooding, people lost their homes, power, furniture. So I think they are definitely deserving of our magic money. Let's go. Sherry Chappelle has lived here for 48 years. She grew up in this house. The floodwaters have destroyed everything. How high was the water? It's, we have a little segment called Feel Good Friday, and I know this has been a terrible week for you, but I hope I have this for you, and hopefully this will make things a little better for you. Okay? There's $400. I want you to have that on behalf of us at Pix11 News. I hope that makes your week a little better. And I know this is very difficult. My pleasure. Okay? My pleasure. Thank you. Now, this is what uh, mainstream media has become. This is no different than Oprah giving away cars. I saw Ellen. She's got this whole uh, sponsored segment, which I think is sponsored by uh, four. Ford, uh, you know, the, the hip new media company, Ford, and uh, she gives away cars to people. It's, it's disgusting. 
Isn't this the same as the in the you know some in the medieval era where you had a prince going around through the and tossing coins out to the peasants and they'd all scramble to grab a nick you know some piece of, of you know a pence yeah that yeah. kind of thing oh look look at them scramble for the look at oh look at her cry yeah no that's exactly it's exactly the same thing and it makes for great television and people eat that crap up. Stupid idiots, slaves. Vote for Curry Dvorak 2016. Crackpot and buzzkill. We're a balanced ticket. Just send us your cash. I think we can do it, John. Would you seriously? Would you really? I mean, would you really give it a try? JC pointed out to me that you have to have, you have to work with each individual state to get them to put you on the ballot and that you'd need a huge organization to do that. So if you get the organization, I'm in. So uh, well, how hard is that? We have an organization. It's on this show. And in fact, the the weekly address would be two and a half hours <laughs> in front of Congress. No, no, no. We just do the show. Are you kidding me? Just do the I'll do, show. In the That's studio. All we do is the show. We just, keep doing the show. We just do the show. Like we every, use government money to fund it. Hey, no, eighteen no, million dollars for listen, our website. No, listen to this. No, listen. We, it would be this would be the best administration ever because we're basically just a morning show. And we and we do we do you know six days a week so we can take uh, one day off, and we just do a show. Hey, hey good morning everybody. How you doing? It's uh, this, this is Crackpot and Buzz Kill your president and vice president. Hey everybody, how you doing? John, what's on the agenda today? Well, we got a national security briefing, and uh, what do you say we do? VP. Okay. You're not serious. I'm serious. Yeah, I have a sense you are. So um, I'm in. I said. Okay. If not, I mean, Molly Woods. Think. Yeah, I just not. I'm not on board like instantly. I'm not like. I don't have that. You've been thinking about this obviously for a couple of days, and you got all this material. I got nothing. (laughs) Well, no material. I've only. I tell you this. I'll tell you this much. What we we do have uh, the uh, we do have to protect certain aspects of the Constitution that uh, that some media. That's all we do. That's all we do. And 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 the first thing we do, the first thing we do. Is we deport uh, Farid Zakaria? You can take no, that he's to the bank. Go. Yeah, we kick him out. That's the first thing. Number one. Then we kick out Pierce Morgan. And what do we shut? Do we do? We just shut down all the news. We make C-SPAN. We have that re-edited into a cool, snappy reality show. Right. That's easy. We own that. It's our stuff. It's our government. And we just protect the Constitution. That's all we do. And we get uh, Molly Wood as uh, Secretary of uh, State. Yeah, she's as good as Hillary. Oh, she's better. Are you kidding me? She can she can wear the the big beaded thing. Yeah, she can get her <laughs> hair done in Paris. She wouldn't mind. <laughs> She'd love it. And Miss Mickey would make a great first lady, wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's think about uh, can it. I play one more clip before okay, but, we. Okay, uh, but, but just but just seriously, I'm really serious. 2016. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, don't be such a douche. It's like it's like how many? It's five years from now. We got this, we got to start early. We're, we're too late for this one, and this is not the right one. This is, 2016 is our year, and it'll give us something to talk about for the next five years on the show. Uh, something to yeah. All right, well, you get your organization together. You're the you're running. Okay, I need one person from each state. Send Just email me. Oh, I don't think we have anyone in Alaska. We, are you kidding me? We definitely have some people in Alaska. Definitely. We have at least one person in every single state, and we can organize this. I don't think we have anybody in Mississippi. 
Rhino the Bearded. What are you talking about? He's, by the way, he's our Secretary of Defense with that big uh, tube of his, that's fire tube. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah, he is in Mississippi. <laughs> Him and his boys. That's right. Hey, hey, you want to mess with us? Check out what we got here. Rhino the Bearded and his boys. And you know what? They got four runners and jet skis. Be careful. I'm coming to mess you up. Well, one guy that's not really much of a constitutionalist is your pal Keith Olbermann. My, why is he my pal all of a sudden? He just seems to be. He's a douchebag. Uh, play his rant on the Second Amendment, which is just wrong. You want to dance that dance, Buster? The Second Amendment refers specifically to personal ownership of guns for use in a state militia, not to just go around and blow other people's heads off when you feel like it. And the Founding Fathers viewed the Constitution as a set of rules to be amended and adjusted frequently, not locked forever in 1787. Uh. And if you don't believe that, may I remind you that the gun rights to which you cling are not in the Constitution as originally written. They are in one of the freaking amendments, just as flexible and not as original to the document as that 14th Amendment you all want to repeal. But just in case you think we have plumbed the depths of Mr. Shaw's amazing stupidity, wait, there's more. We have millions of gun owners of, uh, in this country, law-abiding citizens. It was gun owners that kept Jared Loeffner from reloading his weapon during the Tucson shooting. And it was a gun owner who admitted he came within a second or two of mistaking one of the survivors of the slaughter for the perpetrator. Man said he had reached for his gun in order to shoot him. We have gun violence in this country because we have guns. Republicans don't even stop to think that to argue otherwise is the same as if they said that the Republican Party believes America has more crazy people than other countries. And I don't give a good goddamn if the gun you're raffling off, partner, is a Glock or a Jeremy Glick. Just keep your violence fetish to yourself until we get past the one-year anniversary of the day somebody in your town and your gun-crazed state and climate walked up to your congressman and put a hole in her head. Acting Pima, Arizona County Republican Chairman Mike Shaw, the title might be acting, but the craziness sadly is not. Today's second day in a row, worst person in the world. Yeah, so Olbermann is a douche. First so of all, Olbermann, you know, he, he takes this 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 idea. By the way, there are numerous Supreme Court decisions of interpreting the following sentence, which is the text of the Second Amendment that, re, that he's referring to, which I'll read. A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. It doesn't. The connection is rather loose. It's a very poorly constructed sentence, but it doesn't say that you can keep arms only to, so you can join a militia. It doesn't even come close to saying that. And the and the and the, the legal eagles have gone over this like a fine tooth comb and the, and have determined that the two things are actually separate. So he's full of crap from the beginning. Well, and the second thing is, if, if I, I don't mind somebody having a negative opinion about the Second Amendment or guns, I don't care. It's their no, opinion. Then put a new but amendment in so, and get rid of it. Exactly. If they're so upset about it, get rid of it. Repeal it. Yeah. yeah. They're bitching about the Republicans wanting to repeal the Fourteenth Amendment, which has makes some logical sense because it's only referring to slaves. <laughs> I mean, essentially, it came after. Oh, the by Civil the way, War. by the way, okay. As part of our uh, as part of our vibe, we got to have some crazy hats as a president and vice president. I'm thinking a sombrero for you. And I and I and I haven't decided yet what kind of hat I want, but I think we're wearing we're wearing the guns on the outside, wherever we go. What do you think? 
I like, think we're, we're carrying a, a, a open weapon. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, just on the side, you know, just like yeah, sidearm. It's yeah. called a sidearm. It's called a sidearm. I'm the president, and uh, I just want to make sure that uh, everyone's polite to me. Yeah, I think actually the president probably should carry a sidearm in this day and age. Yeah, maybe we should run for 2014. Maybe we should do it this time around. Maybe we 2012. Could... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and we also changed 2014 to 2012. Like our current president knows what year it is. Come on, I'm on track here. Yeah, okay. Right. Your turn. Go. Uh, I don't have much else except uh, some phony baloney thing that uh, made me laugh. Um, the, the president has opened up an electronic suggestion box, which uh, is actually uh, you know the right to petition your government, which of course is also in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, uh, which is used by lobbyists. To uh, to buy votes for stuff and make stuff happen, which is how our stupid country is now run. And by the way, I have to say, we're, it's kind of a good system that we have in the United States because at least you can go and track it and see who paid some congressman or senator to do something. In other countries, it's all you know. There's no. It's all behind closed doors and it's board members. And you mean stuff. like one of those parliamentary countries, the one, yeah. the only one that actually still ex- you know that that worked. Yeah. Well, like the Netherlands, I know specifically because I've seen it happen. And it's just good old boys networks. And that's much worse here, at least. Like, hey, you douchebag, you paid the president off. And, uh, you know, like this, like the, like the solar company, you can find that link in the show notes, 336. I love that solar company. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. The, uh, uh, here it is. Uh, George Kaiser from Tulsa, key Obama backer, raised about $100,000 for the president's election campaign. One of the primary investors of Solyndra. He himself donated $53,500 to Obama's 2008 election campaign. That's how it works. Now, at least you can track it here and you can laugh about it later on a stupid podcast. In other countries, you don't know about it. Um, but now you can, uh, you can petition the government. This is the idiot who runs the digital media stuff at the, uh, at the White House. A big change is coming soon to WhiteHouse.gov. It's called We the People, and it's a new way to petition your government to take action on a range of important issues. We the people. That's a phrase we all know from the Constitution. And its First Amendment guarantees your right to petition our government. Americans have always used petitions to organize around issues they care about. Now, thanks to the Internet, they're even more popular. A lot more popular. So popular, in fact, that we've come up with a better way to engage this activity online. That's why We the People matters to you. It's an official way to make your voice heard in our government. And it's simple. Anyone can create or sign a petition on WhiteHouse.gov that calls on the federal government to take action on a range of important issues facing our nation. Now it's even worse than the video watching. I can't listen to this dickhead no, anymore. Guy, he sounds like leave it to Beaver. And it's now, a, and we I have, wanna, yeah, go ahead. I think people should put a petition up for us saying that it, that it should that we want to make the No Agenda podcast the official uh, government podcast, the official podcast representing the people. Officials should be recognized in Congress as a, as a great podcast. They do this all the time in Congress. You ever hear these little segments? The guy comes and says, I want to thank, uh, you know, the local hardware store. I want to recognize them in the congressional record. <laughs> they, just, they do it all the time. We, why don't we get on, on this deal? <laughs> well, I'd rather that we get, like, some government funding or something. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather, like, you know, so we can actually do it. So uh, uh, we got to figure something out because the donation thing is not working all that well. So either we we run for uh, president well, I think we and vice president. We should stop doing shows during a holiday week. 
Yeah, that's going to help the money. That's great. Well, it's not going to hurt. Maybe at least we get some time off. I mean, I Christmas last year, Christmas, New Year's that week, we got no money in. And we, I mean, it was, the money will just keep coming in anyway. I mean, whether you do the show or not, because nobody's listening to that show. Well, you can take a vacation. I'll do it with Molly Wood then. I'm not going to stop. I'm going. I'm going for the presidency. You can be my Dick Cheney. I'd like to hear that you do the show with Molly Wood. I just would think that. I think we should do that anyway, just as an experiment. <laughs> well, we have. Uh, we already have a domain name, which is inthemorningwood.com. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, we got some great stuff. Uh, anyway, um, Curry Dvorak, 2016. Everybody, I think it's the ticket. We would be great, John. We would. Now we're going to end up seeing art, cover art. <laughs> no, it'll never come in on time. Save your cover art until next week after we've w- worked out some of the details of our of our presidential run. Uh, right. Hey, are you doing Twit today? Yeah, actually. Oh, good, 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 good. Because there's nobody's listening anyway. No, but please, see if you plug the show so we can uh, get some more listeners. I think we've already tapped that show. Well, you, are you going to try? I will plug it. I tapped that a long time ago. Uh, there will be no uh, no Agenda Producers update today because there's no update, is the note I got here from Ms. <laughs> from Mickey. The update on no Agenda Producers is there's no update. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California, with the Louis Farrakhan as the end of show clip coming up in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where no one's home. I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday for our 2016 plan right here on No Agenda. (laughs) There's a book out called The Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Have you heard of that book? I'd like to read something that Mr. Perkins wrote about himself. Listen to him. He said, my job. Wait a minute, he's on a job. Who's he working for? Who's his employer? Watch this. My job is to encourage world leaders to become part of a vast network that promotes United States commercial interests. In the end, those leaders become ensnared in a web of debt that ensures their loyalty. We can draw on them whenever we desire to satisfy our political, economic, or military needs. If an economic hitman is completely successful, the loans are so large that the debtor, the recipient country, is forced to default on its payments after a few years and when this happens then like the mafia we demand our pound of flesh this often includes one or more of the following control over their United Nations votes 
second, the installation of military bases in their countries. America has over 130 military bases in countries all over the world. What does she need that for? She is an imperialist. This is the American empire. Or the last thing is access to precious resources. We got you in debt. We take your resources such as oil or the Panama Canal. Of course, the debtor still owes us the money and another country is added to our global empire. Milton Fork, Dr. Fork, Lush and A. Dvorak.org slash N-A.